0: Podcast. tonight we're going to talk about rough trade which um is this is our 10 year anniversary um and i when i started rough Tra- i didn't expect this i don't know what i expected really i mean it, it's, it's been a long time i just i i wanted to do something different in fandom um i wanted to do something um kind of unique that was writer centric uh I had participated in a couple of little things, mostly in Stargate. Um, And I found, uh, I found a lot of the big bangs and challenges that I was looking at to be very exclusionary. Um, And even like, this is going to sound really weird, but often I don't think I actually felt welcome in them. And getting more popular didn't make it better. Does that make sense? I, I, I just felt like I wasn't welcome.
1: No, I hear you. It's some, um, especially with you. You were writing. You one of the earlier fandoms, or one of the earlier writing things you did was, um, the Awakening, and that fandom made you feel so unwelcome. Um, yeah, and if they. Uh, it,
0: our first Naked Nano is where the rough trade began, and it was in 2000, it was November 2011. So, this is our 10-year anniversary, basically. And we're starting our 11th year.
1: Yeah, so this is our 11th challenge, but we're wrapped, this will be the end of the 10th year. Um, So, I mean, when you were lesser known, people made you feel unwelcome. You were kind of on the, per, you know, on the periphery of some of, you know, the fandom. I could see how they made you feel it put to their expectations of that fandom on you, and then, um, and then the more known you were, um, I could see that that would be sometimes hard um, because I that comes with its own set of expectations. Or-
0: yeah, it does. I actually had an organizer for a challenge that I won't mention um, encourage me to participate so that their challenge would get more notice, and I was like, "What? That's gross." It's very gross. The challenge doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it put me off of it entirely. Uh, there's no way I would have ever participated in that challenge. Which is unfortunate because I really enjoyed reading in it. Um, but. like I, You know I've honestly. The, the first big bang I ever participated in. Was, was the quantum bang. And that could be a control issue. Because you know I am an admin on the quantum bang. Um, I have control over my content on the quantum bang. And. Maybe that's maybe that's the founding issue um on the the, the big bang subject right there is I just um I need to have a little bit more control than I would if I was participating in somebody else's event. Um,
1: well it's but a lot of times there's so many it feels like there are rules that are so arbitrary and so many challenges. I mean I've done I've done a lot of people's mm-hmm. bangs and there's I can't I can't really think of very many that don't have some sort of rule or something that just seems bizarre and arbitrary to me that i just it just seems like utterly nonsensical like why
0: yeah just just because and often it seems like challenges are structured around the desires of the person running it like what Mm -hmm. they want to read and see
1: yeah like there was this um somebody uh was really touting this um a little while back it's some sort of multi-fandom big bang or something like that i mean it was a very interestingly curated list of fandoms. I mean not 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 in the same genre it was like a weird mix of like procedurals and comic book stuff and or, or you know comic book derived stuff like the MCU and some sci-fi and um a little bit of anime and like it, it, it but it was a it wasn't like all anime it was just like selected and it wasn't like all procedurals. It was certain procedurals and it wasn't like all sci-fi. It was certain sci-fi. And then in some of it, it was only certain, like I think in one of the couple of the fandoms, it was only certain ships. And it was just like, it was so head tilty, the list of what was acceptable that it was like, I don't get it. (laughs) It it felt like it was like, I want to, I want to run a bang where I'm only going to get content where, that I want to read. Yeah. It was just so weird, you know? And um, and gross. That's gross. There was a Phantom-specific challenge um, that I was looking – I had been thinking about signing up for um, recently. And I just kind of had it in the back of my mind that sign-ups were coming up because somebody had mentioned it, and I kind of, like, put a little note to myself, sign-ups were coming up. So I finally went to go check it out and read their rules and stuff, and there had been, like, this big kerfuffle on their – on their site about their weird rules. Like they were like disallowing certain ships and um, disallowing the ships based upon weird criteria. Like they were going to disallow any certain ships. If they, f- if the mods felt that the canon con, if the canon relationship was abusive. What? Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, based upon what criteria i don't know because the 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 relationship they pegged as being abusive wasn't i can't say it was healthy but it wasn't abusive so and then they also said that they were going to disallow it based upon the character's canon age people are like well what if you age them up I'm like well you can age the character up in this ship but you can't age them up to be in this ship and it was just so what <laughs> And it was just like, people were like, this seems so completely arbitrary. What do you, as I'm reading these questions that are coming in and the mods responses to it. And I was like, what? (laughs) And it was just, and they were saying "They," And the reason they're, they're ostensibly their reason for putting this bang on was because in that fandom, all of the generic, um, fandom inclusive bangs for the entire fandom had gone by the wayside. And, um, that they wanted to not have a ship specific bang. They wanted to have something that was inclusive for the entire fandom, but then they disallowed a bunch of ships, any ship that had abuse in their opinion, abuse in it, which the funny thing is they didn't disallow. There's like one character in the Canon who is a bully. Um, canonically, and they didn't disallow him with anybody. So, which they should have based upon their weird criteria. Um, so they had all this rationale, and then come to find out, the thing that that kind of twigged me kind of early on is that none of the moderators and admins, and there's a whole team of them, write in that fandom. None of them. <laughs> not, not a single one. This is a fandom-specific bang, and there's not a single one of the mod and admin team writing in the fandom, and I was like...
0: So they're readers. Had- they're readers in this fandom, and they're basically creating a challenge to get the fic that they want to read.
1: Yeah, and if they had said... If they had said, or if they had said, we're going to allow, and you know, if they had, they're kind of skirting around the fact that they don't like underage fic, which is fine. If they wanted to set, and, but they should have been upfront about that rule, and say we don't want anybody under eighteen having in in a relationship in any of the fics. So, if you want to, you know, and since this is a lot of the characters in the canon. Are underage. Um, if you want to put these characters who are underage in the canon in a relationship, you're going to have to age them up or have write future fic. You know, I I would actually understand that better than them selectively disallowing certain ships because they find the the relationship the the canon circumstances of those characters problematic. Um, and then there and then they they referred to a relationship with a 17 year old as pedophilia, which like no, I mean that's not no. that's not pedophilia <laughs> but okay um i mean there is a term for teenage it's epiphilia uh, heboph- he- Hebophilia is who are attracted to people who are pubescent um which is considered i believe um something a- aberrant um still just like pedophilia but ephebophilia which is, is the um attraction to people who are post-pubescent, who are, uh, you know, teenagers, uh-huh. fully sexually mature, but still teenagers, that is not considered um, a, a, a mental disorder of any sort. It might be illegal, the a- acting on it might be illegal, but the attraction itself is not considered um, a mental health issue. Because psychologically speaking, it's attraction to somebody who is sexually mature, so why would that be? Yeah. You know, banging somebody who is not legal, however, is a legal issue. That's separate from the philia, you know. Anyway,
0: so... But you know what? I don't allow that on my sites. And I am upfront about it. Period. I don't want RPF on my site. I don't want um, pedophilia on my site. I If someone posted pedophilia on anything, I, I, I would ruin them. I'm, I'm just... <laughs>
1: Well, but, I mean, there's stuff I don't like that we still allow on the quantum. Like, we don't disallow incest on the quantum bang, as long right. as the characters are adult. And we don't even disallow to a certain degree underage. It's like 16 and 16 to 18, 16 and 17, 16 and 17 year olds is okay, as long as there's not more than a five year age gap with their partner, which and I think is know, reasonable. Yeah. Um but you know, if somebody wants to write somebody an eighteen year old with somebody who's twenty years older than them, that's not against the rules. I personally might find it, you know, distasteful, but it's not against the rules. So, we don't
0: have a firm rule about necrophilia either.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we do. Do we? I think on the QB we do.
0: I don't have one. No, on I don't, I don't
1: consider. I don't consider vampires necrophilia. I know people like to make that. That association, but I I think that's just that, isn't that the is same that no, isn't the anything,
0: same thing. anything that
1: is anything that is sentient and sapient is not actually functionally dead. Oh, so, but you know a lot of challenges disallow RPF, so that is not a particularly. But for me the issue for me the issue with RPF is not even that I find it distasteful, which I do. I find the objectification of the real people there that it bothers me on a personal level for me with it, it comes to doing it within a challenge is i think that it's going to i think eventually of all the things fandom writes about i think that legally that's going to come under fire way before anything else um i think it's very legally questionable um and it goes rpf stories that have actually been published um have Gone into the courts multiple times. Um, there have been a couple that I was shocked that didn't get pulled from publication. So
0: it comes to the issue of satire, and satire is protected speech.
1: Yeah, satire is, but I don't think that it's satire. It's like, like that.
0: that whole thing where Obama and and Joe Biden were running around being detectives.
1: Well, that was funny as hell. That would be satire, but that one that wound up in court about the, with, I think it was, was it the Dixie Chicks?
0: I think so. That was different, though. That was practically a a death threat, right?
1: It was um, fetish, rape fetish. Yeah. There's nothing satire about it. It was just really ugly. Um, Public domain does
0: not apply to living individuals. A public domain is, um, I think it's nineteen fiction published before 1932, I think, falls into public domain. Um, As far as like copyright and um, the use of fair use. But a living, breathing person is not public domain. Uh, No. And that's why tabloids can get sued. That's why reporters can get sued. That's why you have to have permission to use somebody in a... uh, in a movie, in a cameo, yeah, that's why you have to have permission to use your real people where you make money, because people are not public domain.
1: But RPF seems to be coming down, the courts seem to be coming down on this as being if it's fictional, even if it's using real people's names as being somehow protected. Um, I don't really get it, but I, like I said, I think legally it's an extremely murky area, but... Um, There's some gray areas about all of fandom, but the fair use clauses have been pretty clearly upheld in the courts about fan fiction as long as you don't profit on it. But I think that it's so murky with, and I just, I wouldn't want to host I would challenge.
0: not want, no, I would not want to be responsible, financially responsible for the website that hosts RPF personally. No,
1: <laughs> I wouldn't. So it, for me, it's, 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 that's my biggest concern about when we decide to not disallow RPF and Quantum Bang, was we actually are hosting the content. Um, and that's one of the reasons why initially I was going to allow people to post stuff in other languages on the site. But then ultimately I changed my mind because I feel like that's a little bit questionable
0: like how do we I would we know have, what they were doing?
1: I would have to verify, like run it through a translation program and verify what they'd actually posted, and that just was like adding extra work. So, um, it just became a complication that if I was on AO3, if it was AO3, if we're running a challenge or something like AO3, where you know the they had lawyers and and they have, there's a nonprofit in in front of the individuals protecting them in – that whole nonprofit corporation thing, that actually does a lot to shield people who are doing this stuff. Um, but I don't have that protection now that is Kira and she's actually hosting these days. So um, that's why we don't allow any anything under sixteen. also. It's because
0: of the I'm not paying for your crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But there's a lot of stuff that we we allow as long as you warn for it that I personally find objectionable. You know, like I wouldn't read
0: incest on a bet.
1: We disallow snuff. I think we I think we might necrophilia might be okay.
0: But there's a there's there's a fine line between snuff and necrophilia, um, and sometimes vampire fic crosses the line. I have read professionally published vampire fic that absolutely 100 percent crossed the line from uh from like changing a person into a vampire straight into snuff and then necrophilia because the vampire didn't stop.
1: Yeah, I think it depends upon how the vampire mythos is handled in that particular universe. I mean, I've definitely read stuff like that where it was like, oh, okay, they actually writing them about being dead people. Um that whole walking undead thing is just the Walking Dead thing is just—I find it to be just a sort of.
0: Yeah, I don't read zombie fic for that reason either. I'm like, I'm not—I'm not here for it.
1: That's yeah. That's I definitely don't read zombie fic, but I just don't think of vampires as in as being actually dead. That's just not my personal headcanon about vampires. So, um, yeah. Um, anyway, so but the rules on QB are not about um, me curating a fiction list that i want to read or disallowing stuff that i personally find objectionable the only thing that we disallow that i personally find objectionable is chan
0: oh, don't get me started but on that again
1: shit. <laughs> but again i'm not going to take the i i think if i think that there's again real murky real murky legal thing going on when it comes to actual the actual writing of you know they say you know if it's fiction it's not criminal but i don't get it um i think that i think it's a very g- murky great legal area there so i'm not gonna i'm just not gonna do it um but people can write a whole i i i wouldn't read rape fic on a bet but people can write it as long as they warn for it
0: yeah there's a lot there's lots of things on rough trade that i don't read um people are surprised like oh did you read that no i didn't <laughs> I mean, they're just fandoms I don't read. The point of Rough Trade isn't to entertain me. And I think a lot of people misunderstood that at the very beginning. That Because I do think a lot of challenges are shaped around the desires of the person who started it. Like what they want to read. Do not read and would not read, and then there are some that I've never even heard of before. And I'm like, what the hell is this that I have to Google it? You know, but that's, that's actually entertaining when someone comes to the site with a fandom I've never heard of before. I'm like, what someone's the like, fuck is that? That I had to up. go Google it. And then there was one on Quantum Bang where we, ha- where Julie and I had nothing, but the but the story looked so interesting. We were yeah. over on Wikipedia trying yeah, we to figure had, we it had, out. We
1: had the fandom wiki <laughs> open, going, okay, what's going on? Okay, Um, (laughs) we need to read this. But there was somebody signed up for Rough Trade this time of the Phantom I'd never heard about. I go, is that an actual show? Is that what is that? And I actually googled it because I was like, is that real? And I'm like, oh, it it is real. What
0: the hell is that? Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) It was startling. I was like,
0: what the fuck is that? Um, And then sometimes like they'll be just it'll be really charming.
1: Like we'll get a Hey Arnold, which is just adorable. or you know, just what was it? Some oh somebody signed up with a Calvin and Hobbes crossover a while ago. And um I just thought it was Sesame street yeah, Wars? It was, it was just it was just it was so cute. Adorable people charming. things people with. Um yeah, I can't imagine I can't imagine if I were if I were curating a challenge to my personal taste, everybody would be miserable, honestly. Because it would be super <laughs> specific and y'all y'all would not want to see me get specific about what 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 the requirements would be nobody would sign up <laughs> like chilly girl you just sit down and <laughs> go like, on. you're not want to write that you she's just to write it yourself it's like, i have i have thank you very much <laughs> i just want to read somebody else writing it for me but you know yeah i did
0: start rough trade to challenge myself and um to like engage with other writers and fandom because honestly I am at my most creative when I am surrounded by other writers. I find writers uh, as a whole to be inspiring and awesome to be around. It's the best company I can create for myself is to surround myself with other writers. And so I, I created naked nano to to do that because I wanted to explore and I thought, fandom was really unique in that regard that people public people published their works in progress and so it seemed like they would be willing to do that on naked nano like they had to do a challenge where everybody would post their works in progress as we were writing it and people were like hell yeah let, let's do this and it was really surprising how many people were on board with it um well, I knew it would be like people would be find it intriguing, but I didn't know how big it would become. Um, and for reference, because I have numbers because all you guys love numbers. Um, as of July, we have had 1,387 signups, story signups for Rough Trade since the beginning. We've had 416 different authors, u- unique authors, 262 unique fandoms and 19 million views. On Rough Trade. So I I didn't expect it. I, I didn't expect that. I just wanted a place for writers. And the writers came. And the readers came too. Uh, and I, you know, overall, overall, I would say that readers are deeply respectful of Rough Trade's environment. There's always an outlier. But for the most part, the readers that come into Rough Trade um, are really generous with... Um, their feedback and their con and and they they confine themselves to their comments most of the time. I mean, I would say like ninety five percent of the time the, the the readers are on point. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the readers who don't really know how to behave learn how to behave really quickly because our our feedback con you know rules are very specific and we don't you know we don't play we don't make. Yeah, any-
1: I'll edit your comment a couple of times, and then someone's going to contact you and say, "Why are you being passive aggressive?" <laughs> every every about, about once a year, we get somebody who thinks they can slip critique bias hmm. in the form of
0: a, a question, in,
1: or <laughs> in the form of confusion. That's my yeah. favorite. Is I'm so yeah. confused. It's like I
0: understand. Yeah, you do, understand. bitch. You understand Just perfectly. Shut it up.
1: I know sometimes people are legitimately confused. So if you've ever been legitimately confused, I'm not talking to you. But um, we actually don't allow people to express confusion. But there are some people who are clearly trying to be passive-aggressive by pretending to be confused. It's like, you're not confused. You're providing um, critique obliquely. And I see what you're doing.
0: (laughs) We're not dumb. But, yeah, for the most part, readers are really good about Rough trade. There's, there's yeah. always that one that's really surprised who doesn't really know how it works and the content disappears and they cross at me. Oh, my God, I was in the middle of reading. I'm so sorry. It's clean off day. <laughs> it's on the front page of the website in big letters. You cannot miss it. But apparently you did. <laughs> it may come back. Just just, you know, just be patient or you may never see it again. Yeah. And that's yeah, a big I... th- that's a big thing for some readers that um have put them off reading on Rep altogether. And I respect that. If you um can't handle the loss of something that you really love that might not ever be finished and you won't ever see it again, then Reptrait isn't for you.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not a work in progress reader i don't do that for the most part um it's really rare for me to pick up a work in progress it has to be really tempting and it has to be by an author that i'm pretty confident is going to finish it um but my exception is when i i read stuff on rough trade not i don't read everything on rough trade but sometimes you know if somebody seduces me with uh, often and it, often one of the reasons why i don't read a lot on rough trade is because i'm writing but um <laughs> yeah so, usually I don't have time to read more than two or three stories during Rough Trade, and then sometimes I'll read after Rough Trade is over. But um, sometimes there's an idea that is just so captivating that I'm just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to read that. <laughs> I'm going to read that. Um, I first got, first found Rough Trade in uh, April of 2013. April, April I think, because July was original fiction, right? I think so. That was back when you were doing original fiction in July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found it in April um, on on the day before clean-off, which I didn't know about clean-off days because I I found the site the day before clean-off. And uh, I was reading in the middle of reading Lion Rampart when um, the site got cleaned off. And uh, <laughs> that was the first story that uh, I I'd, I'd, hadn't ever read anything by Kira or Lady Holder at that point. So the first story I found was was that one and i had i had been looking through the site and i had opened up there were so many stories that looked interesting and um i'd probably opened up 15 16 15 or 20 different pages going oh, i'm gonna read this next i'm gonna read this next but i was in the middle of reading lion rampart and all of a sudden everything was gone and i was like what the
0: fuck is this shit? <laughs> so, <laughs> it had to be startling
1: it was it was um
0: and I did. I did consider when I moved from Naked Nano to Rough Trade and started hosting. I did consider archiving, but it would be a nightmare.
1: It would be. Oh God, it would be. It would be horrible. And it would. It would be. And people. And these are people's rough drafts. I wouldn't want my rough draft archived. No, I wouldn't either. Um, so, I um so i was like and you know i'm not the kind of person who's going to go send somebody a hostile email and go what happened to your site where all these stories go so i went and started investigating and i realized this was a writing challenge this was not an archive because i didn't know what naked nano was i was like oh this is a challenge site and i was like i had been thinking about getting back into fandom challenges and i thought well, maybe I'll do the next one the next one was original fiction i'm like hell and hell and gone. i'm not doing original fiction for Uh, for live in front of people fuck that so
0: (laughs) that is very daunting it's a very daunting prospect to write original fiction in front of people um but that isn't why we don't do it anymore so
1: but i did not read the front page ed because i didn't navigate to it through the front page i there was a link to directly to lion rampart um which is which is so i was nav i was like some backdoor navigation where i was you know reading Lady Holder's story, and I had seen a bunch of other links, and I was opening them up based on concepts, so I had never even been to the front page of the site. So um, <laughs> Until everything was gone. <laughs> and I was like, Mah. was it Naked Nano then, or was it Rough Trade? I think it was still Naked Nano. I, I only
0: did one year of Naked Nano, though. You only did one year? Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: it was Rough Trade already. But it was definitely, I remember specifically, well, it was, it was whatever challenge year had, I think it was April 2013, but it was whatever challenge had lion rampart as the challenge i can look is, that was very specific in my brain is that that's what i was reading that's the first we might have of-
0: done two years of naked nano and then moved to rough trade when we did the when we moved when we expanded the challenges um i'm opening up my. I know,
1: I know it was rough trade by november of 2013 but i didn't think it was called i thought i thought it was still naked nano in um april
0: okay so we did naked nano on november 11. November 2011, we did Naked in on November 2012, and in 2013, we moved to Rough Trade because we did the Shifter Challenge in April, which would have been where Lion Rampart was, right? I, hmm.
1: sh- was it Shifter? Because that's a Sentinel story.
0: Okay, so J- Lady Holder saying November 2013 was the um, Lion Rampart.
1: No, no, it no, it wasn't, because that's when I wrote um, Emergence. There's no way that she wrote Lampart, R- Lion Rampart that year. For that challenge. November 2013 is when I think you started with the first official rough trade challenge. I think everything before that was naked nano. I've got, oh, I've got the challenge database myself. I can open it and look. I'm in it. Okay. Excel loads so slowly on my.
0: Okay, so Lion Rampart was April 2013.
1: Oh, that's what I thought. So it was. Uh, So I don't know what your theme was. I don't think my database is
0: accurate because my theme says it's um, shifter, but that wouldn't be accurate. Because Okay, we did the shifter challenge in 2013, but Lion Rampart isn't a shifter, so I don't know. I thought we did it, but maybe we didn't. I might have this right, wrong on my database because I built this database like in 2015, so I was doing it from memory. So I could have the challenge wrong. So, but we did original fiction in 2015. In July 2013, which is one you skipped, and then we did November 2013 with no specific theme, and you busted into my challenge with um, Slytherin Black, right? No emergence. No emergence. Emer- yeah.
1: Who is? This yeah, type- it, I, But I think <laughs> I think your first challenge on the Rough Trade site under the I think the first one under the Rough Trade name was November 2013. I think I think you're, I thought I thought you're right. I think it, I think because I think it was still Naked Nano um i i'm pretty sure i was it was naked nano that i read read that on and i was following the site because i followed the site and i was getting updates and i and i remember the original fiction challenge and going oh uh-uh. and then i was like i think i debated and debated and debated about signing up for november until like the very last minute and then i was like oh well fuck it i'm gonna do this and um Weirdly, one of the things that kept me from signing up was that I had to have art. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, art. I can't.
0: I mean, honestly, dudes, you could put a black, a solid black banner at 1,000 by 350 with your title and name on it. And that would be enough.
1: Well, but the thing is, I didn't want to, like write and say my 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 angst was about art and so i didn't know that i could just pick any image and put it up there so i i was not good with art at that time and um i was laboring laboring with um the i spent i i spent from the time i signed up until the moment i had to have my project file done trying to get that awful awful piece of art finished (laughs) It was terrible. It was terrible. It was, it was, it was hideous. Um, I don't even know what that original piece of art even looked like. It I didn't have dots, really. There were no <laughs> dots. I was not, I was not in my boca phase yet. That's the,
0: <laughs> I have misspelled my author name on my art too. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> um, In the email you get when you sign up for Rough Trade, one of the things it tells you is that the ideal banner size is 1,000 by 350. And you can do a collage or a single image with your title on it. It doesn't matter. It's just about um, presentation. Because it would look weird if some people had banners and some didn't. And it would bother the fuck out of my OCD. Honestly, the fact that you guys don't always use the dimensions I request bothers the fuck out of me. But I try not to look at it.
1: Well, I have weird dimensions because I just... Um, this was my original banner, the one I spent forever working on. It. And um, <laughs> I labored over that like, like whoa. I mean, I just... It was terrible. It was a, I don't remember it at all. I must have blocked it, it out. I, I blocked it out too. Because <laughs> I was like... Um, but it's funny because um, when I was picking the sides for my... What size my site slider was going to be? We've been doing all those basically two cake challenges. <laughs> I hate that term, but we you and I've been doing those single set one set yeah. prompts. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you've been you gave whatever size you gave me for most like the banners were two different sizes, and I was like, most of them were one size, and then the others were another size. And I picked the one that I picked one, I'm like, I like the slightly shorter one than the slightly taller one. So I wound up with, when I scaled it down, because they were they were like 1,200 or 1,400 pixels wide. So when I scaled them down to a 1,000 pixels wide, the height was 300. And on the others, the ones that the, the there were only a few of, the, there was a 1,000 by 350 when I scaled them down. So I was like, well, I'll go with 1,000 by 300.
0: Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> it was because I was using one saved template in Photojet, and then I accidentally used another one.
1: Yeah. By, so that's When how- I
0: was tr- challenging those, yeah.
1: That's how I wound up with the size I picked for my um it's cuz I was I was trying to pick a pick a size for my slider and because I'd done so many of those one sentence prompts recently I thought well I'm just going to go ahead and use whatever size that is for my site slider and I'll do all my site slider banners in that size. And that's why Kira and I are 50 pixels off of each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it works out though. It's fine. Um
1: But yeah, I mean, now, I mean, the thing is, I I liked having art, but I didn't like going to other people to do art, which is why I learned to do it myself, you know.
0: When I first said, okay, you guys need better art, I didn't think it was an obstacle. I mean, it never occurred to me that it would be an obstacle to people. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then we had this whole thing, like, on Facebook for a while, where people were like, okay, I need art. If someone would volunteer to do it for them. (laughs) <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but yeah for me it was it was weird it was this weird biggest anxiety obstacle i don't even know why i was so stressed about it because i could have just said i'm really stressed about this art thing and you would have said well just put a picture up of your main character and i'd have been like okay um and moved on with my life instead of you know but on the other hand it did eventually lead me down the path of doing art myself but if they had had if they had had uh really good collage tools back then I would have not stressed about the art thing at all, but yeah, because um,
0: PhotoJet is super easy to use. You can just do like a three, little, three little slot collage, stick your character names in it, stick your title on top, and you're done.
1: <laughs> right? I did most of my... I didn't didn't do all of my banner this time, but I did a lot of my banner this time. In PhotoJet. I had to merge two pictures together before I could PhotoJet it um, for this rough trade, but. I usually do something in PhotoJet because I actually like putting the title on better in PhotoJet and playing a textures and stuff. I like the options better there than I like them in Photoshop. Um,
0: There's another one that um, we use used to use a lot. Um, be funky. Yeah. Be funky.
1: Um, some, I also some have some different
0: tools as well. So that's fun.
1: I also have uh, I have a premium subscription to PicMonkey as well, which has a lot more photo editing options. Um, I like Canva quite a lot, but it's expensive. It's a lot more expensive than PhotoJet. Yeah, I have or... a
0: pre I have a premium membership to PhotoJet.
1: Yeah. So I've used Adobe Spark a few times. I don't find it as intuitive as PhotoJet, but yeah, anyway, it was weird how um, I got so wrapped around the axle about the art and not the story. <laughs> I mean, it could have been that I was, like, displacing my stress about... Because the funny thing is, is people who are... Even though I used... I, at one point in fandom, did write and post Works in Progress because that's what I was told was the thing to do. Um, I never liked it, really, because I very quickly... Changed my own model to finishing my story and then posting it as if it was a work in progress. <laughs> you know, I'd post a chapter a week and pretend like I wasn't done because, you know, everybody's telling me, oh, you, you know, finish a chapter and you get it baited and you post it. And I was like, eh, what if I, three chapters down the road, realize I need to go back and make a change? That doesn't work for me. So, you know, I, I started off with the- I think
0: that posting as you go model is very much a panzer model.
1: Yeah, probably. And also, I think it also. I don't. I don't mean this negatively. but It's just a different personality type. It also is more for people who need instant, instant gratification or instant feedback. Um, and I, I don't need instant feedback on what I just wrote. So, um, so I know some people do. It's like they can, like they 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 literally cannot sit on something they've written. If they've written five hundred words, they have to put it up. <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, if if th- if that was me, my site would be a big fat fucking mess because I've got over a million words in progress right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I can't even begin to. Also, a lot of the stuff that I write is garbage. Not I mean, not a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't share with people is garbage.
0: <laughs> I mean, does... I'm not teasing. I'm just not done with it. You know, yeah. and I I don't limit myself. And I if if I have an idea I want to play with, I will open up a new document and I'll play. You know, and, and that's how you get one
1: million words in progress. Um, and sometimes you write 30 or 40,000 words or something and you go, and it's really sad when you write 30 or 40,000 words or something and you go, wow, that really isn't working. I don't like this. I don't like it. But sometimes you can salvage something from it for something else. So, I do have a work in progress. That I was like, I'm going to write this, this
0: short fic. <laughs> <laughs> I had five plot points. Okay, you guys. So th- The first plot point was Buck gets shot instead of Eddie. And I still thought I still thought that I could write that in about 25k. The whole thing. I'm in mean 25k. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting at 28k right now.
1: <laughs> Has Buck even gotten out of the hospital yet? No! <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> this
0: is just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> He's still in the hospital. <laughs> Eddie's angsting calling himself a dumb bastard. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I, yeah, you're right, Star. That is literally
1: one plot point. I have not gotten past the first plot point. Sometimes the first plot point's a doozy. Um, but not everything that I comes out of my brain. It all, it all, it all has a purpose in my creative process. But it, I'm not gonna. Sh- it, there's no purpose in sharing all of that. And honestly, some, some of the stuff, people, I think people will be horrified. Like, what in the world was going on with you last night? <laughs> so anyway, um, but I was following the typical fandom model of what I was told is you, you write something, you write a chapter, you post it, right? But I'm like, no, nah. I'm going to finish this and then I'll post a chapter a week, pretend like it took me the week to write it or something. And then eventually I just, you know, moved on and started owning my process was not typical of of the, at least the segment of fandom that I was in at the time. Um. So, anyway, so when it came to doing that first rough trade, I was like, there's a big difference between posting your work in progress and posting your rough draft. So, I think I was displacing some of my anxiety about the idea of posting my rough draft mm-hmm. onto the art. <laughs> so but yeah, that, that like, makes
0: sense because the art was in your face and the posting hadn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, and because it is, it is, even for people, I think maybe... For, people might think it's the same if you haven't done it. Although some people think posting their work in progress and posting their rough draft is the same thing. I'm, I'm never talking to you, <laughs> but for me, it's quite different to post a work in progress versus, cause I have, I have done that, but it's one thing to labor over a chapter and refine it and polish it and edit it and then post it. And it's another thing entirely to have blurry eyes at two o'clock in the morning and finish writing it and, and put it up and, not even sure you, if you remember to run spell check.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, there have been times when I did not run a spell check because fuck that shit. It's a rough draft challenge. You you get what you get. You know, is so yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The shit. first
1: the first time I saw somebody put a placeholder in a um rough trade chapter, like, you know, fill in a name or fill in this thing. I just sat there with my mouth hanging open and then I went, I admire them so much. <laughs> <You> brave
0: motherfucker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had never been able to put a placeholder in before. I'd always wanted to. I'd want to be like write sex scene later or deal with deal with the fallout from this crap when I feel more like dealing with the fallout from this crap or write this shitty action scene that I don't actually want to write. I'd always wanted to do that, but I had never, never done it. And then I'm reading somebody's post one day and there's like, I think there are three or four placeholders. And I was like, oh. <sighs> I just, I'm a little bit, I have a little bit of a crush right now. (laughs) I have a crush on someone's bravery. You badass.
0: But yeah, I mean, that is, it is, you know, there are, sometimes you put obstacles in your way. um, that don't really exist, but you're doing it out of anxiety. So I can see how the art would be a problem for some people that I did not see when I first started it. Um, But I like to keep Rough Trade pretty. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> what it is. Slap some art on there. And you know what? Slap a title on there and you could change the title later. You know that, right? You can change your title. You're not married yeah. to that title.
1: I mean, I've I've always tell myself when I'm when I'm angsting about my titles, I always tell myself I can change my title later. I never do because I you know. I know you posted this story that's a lot like that story you did for Rough Trade, but are you ever going to finish that Rough Trade story? It is that Rough Trade story, it's just got a different name.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I honestly probably wouldn't change my title because people get obsessed with weird things, you know, cuz I've got a lot of readers and it would just be more hassle than it was worth. But there is absolutely nothing on Rough Trade concrete that you post that you cannot change wholesale. That is your shit, you own it and you can do whatever the hell you want with it
1: look at this shit y'all after all that angsty and weeks of where I was nine years ago that was nine years ago I did this in 20 minutes
0: <laughs> it's gorgeous
1: and, I mean it's just it's a pretty bastard too
0: right <laughs> I want to thank Oliver Stark's mama he did thank- a really good job
1: <laughs> right his parents did good and I want to thank Photojet <laughs> and Boca Dots <laughs> <laughs> Um, The funny thing is, uh, Frog, uh, that actually, I did, we did that with somebody one year, is we had somebody that was signing up, and they said um, that they were going to do, I think it was one of the, one of the, was the year we had three stories, we said we were never doing that again, it was the summer we had three stories. Right. And I did all their, actually, I did all their art, too. And they picked the, they they arbitrarily, like, they were signing up for the last minute, and they arbitrarily picked the three fandoms, and they said, give me three titles. So I did. (laughs) We just gave them three titles and they decided which title went with with which fandom and then I did and then they picked pairings and it was all just done kind of it felt a little like a roll of the dice kind of situation and then I made art <laughs> for them and it was like okay I mean I try well you
0: know obviously I planned my whole year last year out of spite I mean my entire yeah to experience this year was done ninety nine percent out of spite, um, and I regret nothing. Um, I think honestly, it's probably um, one of the best uh, Harry Draco stories I've ever done.
1: I think it's I think it's lovely. I think it's lovely.
0: Um, so I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of my plot coming into the new one um, into the in November. Um, but I did it out of spite because you know I'm mad at Harmony.
1: You know. The first Harry Draco story I read of yours was *Birth of the Serpent King*. It may have, it wasn't the only one on your site because I didn't read *Time Travel at the Time*. And The funny thing is, when I commented on *Birth of the Serpent King*, you told me you—you responded to me and told me to go read *Um, That Old Black Magic*. And I was like, but, mm. and I made a face, and I was like, but it's got time travel. <laughs> Times have changed. But the funny thing is, I didn't really like. There was, like, Harry Potter, I hadn't, like, found my niche yet in Harry Potter, like, as a reader, because I didn't, hadn't, like, I felt like Harry Draco could be the ship that I was into, but, like, I hadn't really liked any that I had read. And then I read Breath of the Servant King, and I was like, I love, this is really good. <laughs> and then I read That Old Black Magic, and I was like, I love this, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, it's time travel. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it is time travel. I just, I can't even with this. Um... But the thing, *Birth of the Serpent King* has a special place in my heart because it was like one of the first Harry, but first Harry, it wasn't the f- the first Harry Potter story like as in the fandom that I ever really enjoyed was from an *X-Files* author that wrote Severus Snape OMC. It was one where he broke away from Dumbledore, and he had a son, and he went and lived on some like island with a werewolf or something. It was, I don't really remember much about the story, but um, I didn't know much about the canon at that point, and it to me it's like read almost like all original characters. And uh, I was only really reading it because um, it was this X-Files author that I followed. And it was a very talented writer. And it was a very, to me, it was like really engaging story because it was written by a very good author. And and to me, like I said, it read like all original characters for the most part. And and I had people kept, you know, as I moved through fandom over the years, people kept trying to recommend Harry Potter stories to me. And I would read them and I'd be like, Nah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I exactly I what you mean.
1: Yeah, and like the first, like t- the first two people I knew in Phantom who were really big in Harry Potter, who wrecked a lot of stuff to me. The first one, and I'm not trying to ship shame here, okay. I'm just telling you what their ships were, okay, and so wh- what all the wrecks I got were. The first one was a Harry Severus shipper. Mm-hmm. And the second one was a Harry Voldemort shipper. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. I did a lot of reading a few chapters, or reading a few pages and noping ah, out. There's ah. a lot of that. So that was how I got started in Harry Potter this was way back. And um this is sort of like a you do you boo kind of situation, but it just really wasn't for me. Um it might surprise people which of those two I had a harder time with, um, but um, then I, like I said, I thought the Harry and going to be it. It's this is going to be the one that I'm gonna I'm gonna like. I'm gonna finally get this fandom, and um, so somebody 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 who was a Harry Draco shipper said these are the stories you have got to read. You'll you'll love this, and it was like I guess at the time like this was this was a long time ago, but at the time it seemed like the major trope for Harry personality wise was that he was an emotional basket case. Like major like temper tantrums and meltdowns constantly. Maybe it was just what this person really dug. Was Harry just flying off the handle all the time? I don't know, but I was like...
0: I mean, he has just, like I one mean, tantrum the whole series, right? Just one. Right. And I think it, he totally deserved tantrum. it.
1: Yeah, he, he earned that shit. So it was just, it was weird. It was like just constantly flying off the handle and I was like, this is just so weird. And um, I was—I didn't really get it, the characterization. that, And I think maybe it was what they favored, but there were a lot of really long stories that I was trying to get through. So anyway, so I hadn't read anything that was just like gelling for me. And then I read Birth of the Servant King, and I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. <laughs> it wasn't the first story of yours I read. It was the second. Because the first story I read of yours was Sentinels of Atlantis. I, I'm pretty sure. Not 100% about that, because I had just read Lion Rampart. And I was like, it was gone. And I was like, you know, kind of what now? And Lady Holder had (laughs) Lady Holder, I just I'm obviously I was seeking Sentinel stories, right? That's how I found Lady Holder's story. And Lady Holder had a link to your site and there was Sentinels of Atlanta. So that's Lion
0: rampart published, Lady Holder? I'm pretty sure it is. I asked this question like I don't manage her site. yes you do you need to finish yes, that so she, shit
1: so she had a link to your site and i you know so i think because i was seeking sentinel fic it makes sense to me the first thing i would have read was sentinels of atlantis, sentinels of atlantis. possibly the awakening but i don't think so because i wasn't really in a i was more in a sentinel crossover kind of mood mm-hmm. at that point in my time ty- in life and then i and i know but i and then i am pretty certain birth of Serpent king was next and then i then i got it i was like Wow, oh, i get it I get it. And then I started wanting to read more of it. And the fun, and the thing is, it's been like one of the great big disappointments of my life is I haven't found much more of it that I want to read. So, um, some, but not much. Uh, So it was for me, I mean, I'm, I'm really sorry how it came about, but I've loved.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad I, I want, I want people to enjoy it, but it's about me trying to, to find my place in the Harry Potter fandom again. After what happened. Um, which I don't want to discuss tonight. Um, it's just. I'm, I'm done with that. Uh, so. But. Um, I'm really. I'm really in love. With with Harry's characterization. And his. His intense. Um, desire to get every moment. Of time he can have with Draco. Um, and. And. What what I have plotted for their their forced time travel is is gorgeous. I'm I'm really excited um, about all the changes that will come and and what the ramifications of that will be for him and for the magical world. It's I'm I'm really super excited. Um, I think 100k is probably the minimum on my plot. So I think I'm probably looking at about 175 to be honest. Uh, but so I probably won't get finished in November. Yeah.
1: Time travel and Harry Potter together is... Trials, he's
0: going to claim his title in public. Um, He's going to have, um, there's going to be some um, backdoor magical adoptions so that they can blend in with the society that they're in. Um, He's going to have to work with, you know, uh, yeah. And what's really charming is that Quentin and Walker Deadmarsh our second and third years
1: at <laughs> oh, hey, What does about? It's, it's sound about? It's just so adorable. One of the things I really like about um, just how this all came about, because when we were talking about your plans, um, when we were plotting this, it was just so funny because there's all these things you said you would never do. I'm not that not I'm doing. That you're doing. I don't want to write Marauder's Era. And you don't want to like, you don't write physical time travel and, um, you know, so all these things that, either the right set of circumstances and the right plot, it's not just the right circumstance, the right plot takes you in a direction you thought you'd never go.
0: Well, I think the beauty of it is that he is going to be in a situation where he can have a life outside of the mythos that was created for him.
1: Right. Yeah. he can
0: be yeah. he can be this force of nature in the, mag- the magical world in his own right not based on um his mother's sacrifice or the boy or who lived the, the boy who lived and all that crap so it's it's i'm really excited about that part and it's really interesting um and uh you know ha- how they get there isn't going to be pleasant but uh and what they lose they can't get back you know so there's you know there's some grieving there to deal with as well because there's no there's no going back to what they lost uh, yeah. and um, they'll have different versions of people in their life because these people are younger um and they don't know them. um so they have relationships with people that don't exist anymore, basically. I mean, they're living in a time period before they were even born. yeah, so it's gonna be yeah so it's it's yeah I'm really excited about it. and that I think that that's actually the the bones of rough trade because for me, rough trade is always like a place of experiment and a place where I can kind of um uh explore my crafts and explore ideas. and sometimes I have failed epically, and it never really i mean, I hate to do it wrong, and I hate to get it wrong, but it's never felt like. Uh, like devastating in the confines of rough trade, because I feel like I learn something every time, and if in my learning something you learn something too, all the better, because we're all on this journey together, you know. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so for for me, rough trade is about that. It's about being with other writers and exploring craft and um, making mistakes and sometimes making something really awesome, you know. <laughs>
1: I um I've I feel like I've always been willing for the most part to be well I've been willing to be experimental with what I post on Rough Trade my concepts and what I try to do um but I've also learned where my limits are um like there have been times when like like we'll plot or we'll talk about an idea and I'll go okay I don't think I want to do that in public which is not something that was sort of more like the voice of experience I didn't have that voice nine years ago. When I did the fir- my first rough trade. Um, because it was like, oh, if I have an idea, I should just do it. But I think probably the most experimental thing I've done on rough trade was a leomoto, And that's probably the most... That pushed my limits in a lot of ways. Now, there have been stories I haven't done well with that I've kind of flopped at um, on rough trade. And that wasn't about being experimental. Sometimes an idea just doesn't work. But... Um, the struggles I had with getting a Leomoto and doing it in that kind of live circumstance and the stress I felt kind of showed me kind of where my limits were about what I was willing to do in front of other people um like I don't know that I would write like a Hannibal time travel fic some people will and I'm not it's this is not about this is not about don't write Hannibal but I think for me I would be pushing my own boundaries.
0: I would love that. to read it. So if there's somebody out there who wants to ride a Hannibal time travel, I am here for it.
1: <laughs> um, but there's also some things I've thought about that, like we've talked about that were like pretty experimental for me or very different for me that I went, yeah, I don't think I want to do that in public. Um, it's just because sometimes you know that something's going to push your limits or push your boundaries or it's going to be difficult or it's going to be too difficult for a challenge environment or people aren't going to understand it on the surface of it and you want it done before you're getting even, I think that was the issue for me with the Leo moto is I wish it had been done before I'd even gotten surface feedback about it. Even even polite feedback. I wish I had had that story finished before I had the first person misunderstand what I was writing.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, I know what you're going to do here. No, that's not really what she was going to do. I promise. Um, I, my biggest Conceptual mistake, it's probably synthetic. Um, and that was the different worlds challenge or the other world,
1: uh, yeah, whole new world or something. Whole like new that.
0: world. And I, um, I tried to cram an idea that would be best served in original fiction into fandom, um, and it did not work. And I've tried to rewrite it so it would work and it won't. It, it's just it does not work in the confines of fandom. Um, I love the idea. I I love the I just I love it. But it does not work in the confines of fandom. And so um I would have to take it apart, take out all the fandom characters and rework it. So it's you know, it's in the back of my mind, but it remains the one thing that I did on Rough Trade that I regret. And sometimes you don't know how the idea is gonna play in fandom. Like I have a um an an original fiction thing that I'm working on um, that I had originally thought might be a fandom project, but it wasn't. And I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't. And so I made changes in my plotting process and made it original fiction. Um, And um, I'm almost finished with the first, the first novella for that. And I want to do three novellas before I submit to publisher. Um, But uh, sometimes you just don't know how it's going to be until you're in it. And you had that experience with that one where you were going to do Tony DiNozzo being a medium?
1: Mm-hmm. The Descendant, yeah. That was the same challenge. Uh, no, that was the urban fantasy challenge.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you don't know how an idea is going to play in fandom until you're doing it. And you're like, oh, no, this does not work. And I actually have a whole bunch of those that I've done in private um, that no, that will never see the live day that just do not work in fandom um, like I thought they would. You know, and I was like, eh, okay. And then I dump it in a folder for original idea work later because it's just not. Now, I don't believe in scrubbing fan fiction. So I wouldn't take anything off my website that's currently there and scrub it for original fiction. I just don't believe in it. I don't think it's appropriate. It's just my personal opinion. You can do what you want, you do you. Um, but my private ideas that I've played with that didn't work out, I would totally do that to them. And I would do it to synthetic because synthetic did not work as fandom. And, um, and honestly. And you barely-
1: you barely got started. I mean... Yeah.
0: It, it fell apart pretty quickly. Like 10K in. Um, and honestly, it would be the work of nothing to replace those characters with original characters. Because uh, I make really good original characters. Thank you. You do indeed. And so I just... I You know, but I wouldn't like just change the names and move on. It, it would have to be a reworking of all the scenes. Because... I did, did. There is characterization that is fandom in those scenes, so it would all it would it, it would all end up being different anyway. So it, it wouldn't be a scrub, You're just I'm scrubbing the idea, not the, not the content. The content would basically have to go. Um, but like rough trade is a safe place to do that kind of experimenting. Unfortunately, it's not a safe place to do original fiction, and I don't actively encourage it anymore and i don't do challenges around it because the one time i did do it i ended up publishing that um original fiction and someone got on amazon and bitched about me publishing it and offering and making people pay for it after they'd read the whole thing on, on rough trade when they didn't i didn't even finish it on rough trade they also claimed that it didn't was not in any way different than what was published on rough trade which was not true because it had been edited yeah gone through several drafts and was twice as long as it ever was on rough trade. And so after that, I don't recommend anybody publish or work on original fiction on rough trade.
1: Yeah, I had been briefly toying with the idea of trying my hand at original on rough trade, which was like like I had like this fear point about cuz a lot of times if I'm really afraid of something I want to conquer it. So I'd had this I'm going to maybe do an original fiction on one of the rough trade challenges that that allowed for it. It have been and then I saw how fall for you went in your Amazon reviews and I went, oh hell no. no it was no.
0: terribly rude. It was, it was very rude and uncalled for. And but the the one that really amused me was the person who commented on my action scene. And I'm like, I wanted to respond and say thank you for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Heifer.
1: Right? Because that was it was within like 24 hours that review after we had a podcast where we talked about our issues rating action scene. That review went right up. it was yeah. so, so so transparent. And that was back when we were still on blog talk.
0: Yeah and also yeah, we recently um there was an asshole in this podcast right here because this this that podcast had not been recorded and we hadn't been put up on um for a download where someone immediately like even maybe in the middle of the podcast went over to my site and bitched about my two-dimensional characters, f- female characters in all the world. Called them dull as doornails. <clears throat> When we were Wait, on the podcast talking about fucking female characters,
1: right? I mean, it was like the timing could not have been any more transparent. Um, and, and honestly, to pick that particular story, which has a really diverse range of female char- original, both canon and and original female characters, it was like really, really. Which, aside from I'm taking this opportunity to poke at something you said on the podcast, as if I'm, you know, wise or something. But um, I felt like what they were really saying was that they like specific female archetypes. And you actually don't tend to write to those archetypes, um, which I, I just just did a guess what those archetypes are. But I don't find those particular archetypes particularly appealing. So,
0: yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs>
1: But they and they specifically called out Omis, although they didn't call Omis by her name. They called her Ragnar's sister.
0: Yeah, they they were bitching about my female characters being two dimensional and yet couldn't remember the names of the female characters. Right,
1: um, that they were bitching about. So Isabel or um or Omis and 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 they called Omis two dimensional and dull as a doornail. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. I mean, she she. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was actually scared of her.
0: Oh, Miss, will throw you down a mine shaft, mine shaft right?
1: <laughs> I was more scared. she has got of, one um, already picked out. Oh, Miss, and her mine shaft than I was Winky and her nundu preserve. So, <laughs> um, at oh, least I've the nundu preserve would be over
0: quick, right? <laughs> right. You might starve to death in the mine shaft <laughs> before she gets tired of you. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to take seriously because it was like in the middle of my podcast when they when they posted this. They were obviously trying to poke at me and maybe thought that I would get the comment immediately. I got it 2 days later cuz I, I I wasn't even paying attention to my, web, to my website. Um so yeah. I mean, you know, but I think a lot of that a lot of the hate I get in Harry Potter is related to my zero give a fuck about what they want. I in Stargate, no one ever really poked me about writing what they want me to write, you know? Um, so, I didn't really encounter that kind of mentality in fandom until Harry Potter. And then I was like, write your own shit. I'm, I'm not your fake bitch. Exactly.
1: I, I don't, I'm not doing what you say. It's my ass.
0: Um. So, when I structured Rough Trade, one of the things that was really important to me was... Um, building a wall, um, a moderation wall, where the writers participating could participate without having to deal with the crap that I saw uh, at the time on fanfiction.net and on LiveJournal um, where and on Wraithbait, where people were berating them or trying to guide them into writing what they wanted to write, and in a rough draft, in a rough draft challenge, that could be very difficult if you have readers in your comment section telling you what where, what they want to see, because they've been especially, trained to do it, especially by authors you who know, oh well, tell me what you want to see next. It's just the
1: worst possible
0: thing you could put on the bottom of your fucking fiction, okay?
1: Um, especially for some authors who are very susceptible to. Reader, you know, quote suggestions.
0: I have had writers tell me they won't participate in rough trade because I don't allow that. That they want that kind of feedback from their writer, their, their readers, and I'm like, well, yeah, you can go post on A O Three because rough trade isn't a required participation thing. You you don't have to participate, and they would get really shitty with me about it because they want to be on rough trade for one reason or another. I think we could all make assumptions about what th- what that would be, um, for right or wrong. Uh, and then they get bitchy because they, I won't change the rules for them specifically. Like, you know, when I am managing, when we are, we, there, there are three, four of us, four of us now who do comments on rough trade. Um, when we're managing 50 or 60 stories, we don't have time to figure out which one of you wants that kind of feedback. So none of you get that kind of feedback. It would be, it would be ridiculous. I mean, there was one challenge when we had like over 150 stories that was that three story challenge mistake mistake we actually, did, we
1: actually did we actually did the three story thing two years in a row what i know we right were... <laughs> and then next year i thought we'll
0: just do two stories every month <laughs> i mean you can do one or you can do two next year so people um, will
1: some people will will be sensible and only sign up for one. And some people will do what I plan to do and sign up for two. Because, you know, I I h- haven't been sensible in longer than I can recall.
0: Well, you know what, though? I think the point of Rough Trade is to challenge yourself and to figure out one of the reasons why we keep the, str- the challenge as, as broad as we possibly can is that so that you can challenge yourself while we're challenging you, too. Like, okay, this is your theme. um, This is your word count. What do you want to add on top of that to increase your challenge? It's kind of like when, you know, when you're walking, you start walking and then one day you're like, you know what? I need weights on my feet because I'm not getting enough exercise. So you put weights on your ankles so to, to, to increase your workout, right? I don't, but people do because they're crazy. So the whole point of Rough trade is to build a challenge that works for you. Like, okay, is 25k a challenge? Is it enough a challenge for you? Do you need two of those? Do you need two 25k stories next year in April? If you do, the challenge is set up for that. If you if, if you could only handle one, the challenge is set up for that. If you want to take both ideas, squish them into one book and write 50k, you do you. Pop off. Do that shit. I can't, I can't wait to see it. So yeah, but I think one of the reasons why Rev Trade is has been so successful is that we don't stagnate; that we shift through themes, we shift through formats. We did the episode challenge, which I thought was really interesting and a lot of fun to do. Um, we have different uh, word count links. Next year, we're doing twenty five k on each story, um, or f- or fifty k a month. You know, whichever, whichever you want to do. Um, I just I th- I think it's a lot of fun to kind of explore and uh, like expand the challenge and give people lots of options every year and not do the same thing every year and I think sometimes challenges in fandom stagnate and fail and disappear because they are doing the same thing every time and there's no um, renewed interest there's no excitement about what's coming or you know What's the theme going to be this year? When's she going to announce the themes this year? You know, what can I do for this theme? Or what can I do for this fandom? Um, So, yeah. I mean, always when I'm thinking about the challenges and how they're going to work, um, my goal is to inspire people um, and to encourage you to participate in this really safe and inclusive environment I've created.
1: I think it's very exciting. I mean, sometimes a challenge sits like, oddly with me, but I, like, I'll, I enjoy, I, I was actually looking to see if I was, if there's been any, any rough trade since I did my first one that I haven't signed up for and there hasn't been, I haven't skipped one. Um, you even did one with a head injury. I, yeah, <laughs> I tried to, um, and that was, a, that was definitely a, a weird moment because I still get written, people still write about it. I'm thinking about, it's one of the few things I've got up for Evil Author Day that I'm thinking about pulling. Um, I usually don't pull stuff from Evil Author Day, but I'm considering pulling that one because it's such a foreign story to me that um, Which one? Visionary. Ah. That's from um, November of 2014. Um, I don't remember the writing of it. And there's always the potential that I will pick up and work on something. And there's some things I absolutely am still working on that are on e- EAD. But visionary feels odd to me because it feels like I didn't write it.
0: That's the one you wrote when you um, hit your head, right? Yeah.
1: Got a traumatic yeah. brain injury. And um, I mean, I got through as much of the challenge as I could and I just was not doing well because I was having m- severe migraines and I was having just all kinds of issues. Um, actually I was having uh, temporal lobe seizures which weren't diagnosed for like another six months. Jesus. Um, <laughs> no wonder you don't remember it. <laughs> Seriously.
0: Um, it probably yeah. does feel like somebody else's work.
1: Yeah. So. You know. um I have the plot notes. I remember plotting it more than I remember the writing of it. So I don't know what I would do if I ever were to pick that up and work on it again. Um, I don't know what I would do with the, what is it currently written because it. I feel like I would need to start at the beginning if I ever were to go back to that concept. So it's just it's just a weird one. Uh, it's like this weird blip in my rough trade past or so something that I just can't conceive of why, why I would pick that story up again. Um, it's one of the rare ones that I feel like is just kind of I need to like put that one in the past because and also because there's just aspects of that that remind me of a really difficult time yeah yeah i can see that it it, it wasn't a festive time in my life so Mm. um as traumatic injury brain injuries go yeah you know i still you know it's not like that that the ramifications of any of that um went away (laughs) i mean I, i still take seizure medication and uh you know, I still get treated for the migraines and that was all because of the shenanigans seven years ago. So,
0: and you still can't smell.
1: And I and I lost my sense of smell. I still can't smell. And that's never coming back. So, you know, it was, it was, is weird. there really no
0: treatment for that at all? Really? It's just gone.
1: Yeah. Then if, if it doesn't come back within six months, it's because the near, the, the nerves that handle smell, they pass through these like two bony plates. And if, if, You can sense the smell can be damaged, but if it doesn't come back, it's because those nerves got sheared off. Oh. There's no recovery from
0: it. So you're screwed. Okay. Yeah.
1: So there's some people who have head injuries and they kind of all, and it was a sense of smell. It's kind of a six month, like they wait to see for six months if it's going to come back. Some people get it back, but. You you didn't. You don't. You don't. I think people
0: underestimate how much smell has to do with taste. Because it's like really intricately combined. Um, yeah. So it changes everything.
1: Yeah, I taste fine. I don't, I can't process flavors. So I can tell you something sweet, but I can't tell, I can't taste or any kind of herbs, I can't taste like garlic or rosemary.
0: Oh, that's awful!
1: Because I love garlic and rosemary. <laughs> yeah, I mean all that all, so that is, any, all that stuff. Any all that stuff's processed and then those. So you know, salty, sweet, bitter, umami. I mean, I got that down. I got that unlocked. But anything Ugh, that's that's, a, that's that's refined is no. So you know, you know, it it's so that story is like very intricately connected with difficult. Not only just a difficult time in my life, but when I read the story, it feels very alien to me. It's like, I mean, I've got, I... I've got a
0: short story like that, that I actually Googled it to make sure I hadn't copied it and pasted it into a document to read later because of bad formatting. So I used to do that a lot with bad formatting. Um, I would just copy and paste it into a document and format it so I could read it, especially that big wall yeah. of text, you know, sometimes you get on. And I was like, is, is this somebody else's work? And I wrote it, I guess I wrote it while I had a migraine. Um, but normally when I do that, I copy and paste the link too. So I'll know where it came from. Especially if it's a work in progress and it wasn't complete. And I actually did a plagiarism check on it. Because I wasn't sure if it was mine or not. And I still have never shared it. Because I I, mean, I shared it with the bitches. Like, guys, is it, does this look like about, about my shit? Because I don't know for sure. <laughs> so it's just like it's sitting there. And it's been sitting there for probably, I don't know, eight, nine years. And I'll never be able to share it. Because I don't feel confident that it's mine.
1: Yeah, it's it's just this weird thing. But, I mean, I know that it's my. I remember the yeah. plotting, but it's like it's like I plotted a story and somebody else took my plot document and went and wrote like the first thirty k or something. I'm like, huh?
0: Maybe you could set aside the just focus on the plot document and set aside what you already wrote and write again. Yeah,
1: if I ever wanted to revive it, I could definitely. Um, that that's what I would have to do. I don't think I could use what's written because it feels like somebody else wrote it i don't remember it public service announcement do not write while you're having seizures
0: <laughs> yeah for real or severe migraines because sometimes you forget it you do forget quite a lot um
1: but i i don't mind like ch- i don't mind the challenges like sometimes the challenge just is like i said it sits really weird for me like and sometimes in response to that my ideas come out pretty weird <laughs> which you know i think it's probably part
0: of the point because yeah. it puts you in a place where you might not go originally. Like, I don't know that I would have ever put together the three themes that I've worked with this year into a series. Um, if it wasn't for the challenge. I mean, I don't know how I would, I mean, the. I mean, I don't know. There's just something about the way this tr- was structured this year. I would honestly have preferred if the time travel had been first.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, I remember when we were plotting for you. um, we hadn't even gotten to April yet, because obviously you we, we, you plotted the whole year before we started the challenge. And you're like, oh God, I wish time travel was for. And I was like, you know, I think you should just rearrange the challenges. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do that. So people are already plotting, and I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I I already announced the order, so it it wouldn't have been fair to people to tell them we're going to change it around because because of my plot. You know, that's like which
1: I I appreciate your your sense of fair play, but I mean, my first reaction was. You should change the order. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> but I think what I've done is is really good. so I'm, I'm really proud it of it. I, I think that people will enjoy it or or not. you know it depends on who you, who you who you who you love and who you hate and who you would like to see dead in the past. Um, I could never have written them out of order, frog. Oh my god. oh my god, there is no way. There's absolutely no way I could have written it out of order.
1: But actually, I don't. I don't know. It's I don't know how you could write them out of order if you didn't plot it. I mean, if you had a really solid plot document, you could write them out of order. Because see, I'm. I'm am I'm not just a plotter. I'm a linear writer. Yeah, me too. So not every plotter is a linear writer. Some plotters can write their scenes in any order they want because they plot. I don't know how you could write them out of order if you pants. That's just. That's. That like broke mind- my brain. I- <laughs> That's mind boggling.
0: <laughs> I'd love to see you do it though. <laughs> just, just, I couldn't do it myself. I'm freaking out. It's just like that really fucks me up, Frog. You've you've ruined me. <laughs> Now, what I can do is I do write in a linear fashion, um, but I can, like, skip a scene if if, if, I, if I'm having a problem and then go back and write that scene later or rewrite a scene during um, my second or third draft. That's possible for me, but I'm really um, a point-and-shoot kind of girl when it comes to writing.
1: I... I can skip a scene sometimes. Sometimes it's very hard for me. It's more of an OCD thing than a function of my writing process. Um, If a scene is like not critical to character development, it is certainly possible from a craft perspective for me to skip it. It all depends upon whether or not I'm in a place where with my anxiety issues that I can let go enough to let that skip happen. Like skipping a sex scene. Um, that sometimes the ability to do that is more a function of an anxiety issue than a writing issue.
0: I can skip a sex scene if it's not, I'm not one to write gratuitous sex scenes anymore. Um, I did for a while cause I, I wrote erotica professionally and that's what they ask of you. Um, but when it comes to sex scenes, like there are basically two kinds. There are the kind where, um, that first meeting that that first meeting of bodies um there there's lots of characterization in there, there's lots of relationship building in there. I would not want to skip that particular no. sex scene, but if there's like uh just like a little sexy moment later, you know a hand job in the shower, I could skip that and, and write it later um
1: like in um in uh in the like quantum bangs this year, I skipped the second sex scenes with the non-main pairing so buck and what's his face the blowjob scene i actually skipped that in my first draft and um the second time eddie was fucking darian i skipped that in my first draft because um, that was just like that was part of that
0: that structure but not characterization to me
1: right and it it and a lot the a lot of those sex scenes were about showing um contrast the first the first for buck the f- first sex scene was about him kind of coming into his own with his bisexuality but the exploring both of them twice in a sex scene with somebody who wasn't the other was ex- was about exploring the contrast showing the contrast with how they are with other people versus how they are with each other. And emotional so,
0: content changed.
1: Yeah. So, so it was was, I wanted the sex scenes, but I knew the function they were serving. So they—they they were providing a function. They weren't providing emotional development or intimacy at that point. So um, I skipped them in my initial draft, and I added them in later. Um, and, and part of the reason is I—I I haven't really been in the mood for, like this whole year, like maybe two years, it, to writing really sex scenes. And that story was very sex heavy <laughs> in a lot of ways. At um, least for me, it was. Both stories had a lot of sex in them. Um, so, I... Lately, I'm more interested in intimacy
0: than yeah. the mechanics of sex. Um, one of the most gorgeous sex scenes I've read recently was in a 911 um story where uh, Eddie Tops, and I don't remember the title of it, uh, we, we discussed it a couple of podcast back uh it's the one where buck and eddie are hugging and christopher comes up and finds them hugging so he hugs them both and he says i don't know why we're hugging but i love to hug (laughs) and it was just this most adorable moment but in that story is this really intimate and rewarding sex scene um and i was just like blown away by by the intimacy and the emotional content, um, yeah, I did wreck it. I just don't remember the title of it, Nick. I just I can't remember the, for the life of me. Um, but it was gorgeous. I mean, it just it was just a really gorgeous sex scene. And it wasn't overtly explicit, uh, but it was it was spot. I mean, I was like, I wanted to give, I wanted to thank Eddie myself because damn, he did me and Buck both a favor. <laughs> you bring it. <laughs> uh, It was awesome. Uh, But uh, so lately for me, that's what uh, I've really been working on um, as a writer. um, And I'm really exploring that in Rough Trade this year is character intimacy and emotional honesty, because I find that um, very sexy and uh, very rewarding to write. And um, there's something really compelling about having characters who are emotionally honest with themselves and other people. And I guess it is, it is a fantasy because, um, sometimes Share-
1: sharing, different heartbeats in one night by squitted S Q U I D D E D. Thank you. And Nick just found it too. It's gorgeous.
0: This, the sex scene is absolutely gorgeous. The whole story is charming, but the sex scene is like, it, it hit me in the right spot. I have to say, I mean, it just, it hit me in that moment and it was perfect. And I was like, girl, go, pop off. Good job. <laughs> I don't get in my bunk. I'm an, I'm an adult.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to get I in my bunk. I have a full grown I'm... bed. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. But what, the sex scene for the My Quantum Bank story, the sex scenes were part of, there was an evolution to them. So they were plotted to be a specific way and a specific arc to not just the OC sex scenes but also the evolution of Eddie and Buck sex scenes so it was intended to be pretty sex heavy um but yeah it was it was for me even if it didn't come off sex heavy to the reader and I don't know how that kind of thing comes across to the reader um for me as a writer because it hasn't been my headspace it was a lot it felt like um but anyway yeah I can skip sometimes skip something that is just for structure Um, or if it's like a procedural thing or something like that, but it sometimes it depends on anxiety. Um, but yeah, if I couldn't, I couldn't, normally I'm linear in my writing approach, meaning not necessarily, I, I am also linear on time and the store, my stories take place in a linear fashion. But When I say I'm a linear writer, I don't mean I'm not referring to the timeline of the story. Um, I'm referring to the way I write the story, which is that I write it from beginning to end. I don't skip around.
0: I I would have a really hard time if if I skipped ahead and wrote the ending I think I'd be done. I think mentally it would fuck me up so much I wouldn't be able to write the rest of it.
1: Yeah. And, I, and there's some people some people can do that. It's just everybody's process is different. Um I have occasionally like um, somebody mentioned in the chat, they have a specific scene in their head and they just like, they can't write until they get that, write that scene. I've had that happen occasionally. It's usually my concept scene for a story where I have to write that scene first. Like it's so like there that I have to, it's like, I'm trying to make notes and that scene comes out instead. 90% of the time that scene is altered significantly by the time it gets worked back into the document because it like sits out by itself until I write the story to catch up to it. And then I really have to tweak it to make it work in the narrative. So it's almost rewritten by the time I, which is fine. It's fine. But, you know,
0: there's a moment in my fic where a buck gets shot instead of Eddie. Um, It's called next to me is the story. Um, And uh, there's a moment that was in my head when I started that I, that, that I wanted to write where Eddie is uh, pressing down on the wound um, and they're in the back of that fire truck and they're being slid around because they're the driving and none of them are secure. And um, there's this line in it where Eddie tells Buck, don't make me go home and tell our son you're dead. And that was my concept. That was the entire concept when I was when I was thinking about that. And he it's set over a live mic. So the entire fire department hears it. Like, everybody who's on the radio at that time hears him tell Buck that. Oops. And because it was during that moment where, you know, all these people are moving around and there's a sniper, there were a lot of people who heard it, um, including the chief. And so, it's like, there's this, like, and this is like Eddie telling everybody on the whole dumb planet that even though he's dating this woman, that that Buck is his partner and his co-parent. <laughs> <laughs> so later, Buck tells him that he uh, discovered today that he's a dumb bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't realize he was in love. But my favorite line out of that fic where is like Buck says you you picked me up? <laughs> really? You picked me up? He goes, Yeah, dumbass, I picked you up.
1: <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I mean it's not. It's my headcanon
0: that Eddie makes sure that always he could pick pick up. Um, um Buck up. That, that like, that's uh, that is that is my headcanon that he he that he's always Making sure that no matter how Buck bucks up, that he's
1: in a in a fireman's carry fandom. In a fight, that's why it's called a fireman's carry, not in a princess carry. Uh, that's just princess carry is deadlifting like over 200 pounds. Come on. Well, I feel like Eddie would have to be able to deadlift 200 pounds. I, yeah, but not he he wouldn't be able to carry Buck for, for, for a prolonged period of time in that position.
0: No. But I do feel like that he does make sure that, uh, you know, that he can actually pick up the the heaviest member of his team, which is probably Buck, right?
1: Yeah, I would imagine. Of his team, yeah.
0: Just on muscle weight alone.
1: By muscle, by muscle. Yeah, Peter Krause probably carries, like, more body fat. Um, Bobby probably has more body fat. um, But Buck, for sure, um, weighs more. Um, There's actually a scene in, um, I want to say it's... Oh, it's in a flashpoint where they're dragging, they, they weigh in and whoever's the heaviest gets dragged around by the rest of the team. When <laughs> they do their weigh in, um, for the strategic response unit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's in the first season. I thought it was an interesting, it was an interesting little plot point they put in about that. They have to all be able to, you know, drag each other to safety. So whoever weighs the most gets, gets to be the, the draggy for the day. Um,
0: I read a fic on, on on AO3 where Buck got kidnapped um, by the sniper. Instead of, like, the sniper doing sniping, he decided to kidnap a member. And he kidnapped a couple of firefighters and killed them, and then Buck was um, the next victim. And Buck gets free, and he ends up, Hen finds him. And she has to lift him and carry him to her car. Um, and later on... Um,
1: I haven't read this... So much- it's a work
0: in progress, I think. Um, uh, I'll, so, so, I'll find it.
1: So going to find it for me so I can follow it.
0: Um, and uh, later on, Eddie was like, Buck was like, Hen carried me. And um, Eddie's like, On any given day, <laughs> Hen could carry all of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think there's um, like one chapter left, Susan. Yeah. Because he's been I, rescued um, and he's in the hospital. I am. Um...
1: Susan, Susan knows it, so she's following it, so she can go get me that link, so um, I can follow it.
0: The summary is: It's Bobby calling nine one one in the middle of a fire, and he and they're like, "Do you need extra support?" And he goes, "No, one of my firefighters is missing, completely, one hundred percent missing." Um, so yeah, and I had been waiting for it to finish, but then I just couldn't wait anymore, so I opened it up, and it's it's awful. I mean, it, not awful, the, the ride, it, it's good, but. The dude, the the sniper's a beast. He's a hell beast. I, oh, he's awful. He's twice as he, awful as he was in canon. Wow. And he tortures the other two to death, and he works on torturing Buck to death. It's 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 not pleasant. <clears throat>
1: um, you can think Now you can think it was ran, Eddie randomly coming up to Buck and lifting him just to make sure he can. Randomly.
0: <laughs> Buck, I need to pick you up a minute. Have <laughs> you going wait? Like- it's like, what are you doing? Buck gets body issues. <laughs> we just want to make sure we can carry you. I do want to write a crack where people keep finding Buck under the fire truck. <laughs> and they freak out. I'm trying to do my damn job. Who's going to take there's the a, fucking oil? <laughs> there's a
1: story where, like, Buck has, like, been, like, I think the person wrote it around the time that Oliver Stark started really hitting the gym and got all that upper body mass Mm -hmm. between seasons. Like was it around season three, early season four? It was like all of Mm -hmm. a sudden he bulked up and we all went, what is going on with Mm. your shoulders, man? Um, And they heard a story um, where everybody's kind of wondering how strong he is. And like, they're trying to like get a, get a, get a, Beat on his weights. Nobody can quite figure out exactly how strong it is. And there's kind of been like talk around the firehouse, just how strong is Buck? And then they hit an accident scene where they're trying to secure a, some kids who were like joyriding in a golf cart. And um, they're, they're, they repelled down to secure the golf cart and the golf cart slipped and Buck caught it. And he winds up doing significant damage to the like muscles and ligaments in his arms and stuff, catching this golf cart from going off the side of this cliff or something, um, and then Eddie secures it, but like everybody's like stunned. Um, yeah. yeah, very Captain America-ish. Uh, he's they're stunned at how strong he is. Um, it was an interesting exploration of like the whole brute strength thing, but I can't remember like who wrote it or. It was a typical five or six k nine one one story.
0: Yeah. I mean, I find myself in that range, too.
1: Yeah, but the th- th- thing is that a lot of... There's some that really stand out to me, but for the most part, a lot of them... I might be able to find it. But uh, if somebody else can't find it, I will look in a minute. Um, but it was... it was I, I, I enjoyed it. And um, I'm trying to...
0: But speaking of fandoms, um, I think the range of fandoms on Rough Trade also is part of the draw is that we don't often limit fandoms. We we have we did have a Harry Potter challenge that was probably our most popular challenge as far as like signups went and honestly views. I Me mean, people it it exploded. Um I actually had to pay extra that month. Um I was still on GoDaddy. I had to pay extra for bandwidth because of that challenge which was like it was like uh, it was in April of 2018. And We had 81 signups which I think is um almost our biggest one is was 84 signups in April of 2016. And um, it was called Second Chances, which was basically um, a 40K challenge. And uh, people just really enjoyed it. And I think there was a lot of Harry Potter in that too, um, which could be why we did the Harry Potter challenge in April, of the next year or the year after. There's um, often,
1: if, if a theme even remotely fits Harry Potter, it's not uncommon it's for gonna Harry boom. Potter to for yeah. Harry Potter to have the most signups. I think Second Chances, wasn't that when I wrote If Found? That's what I wrote for that channel.
0: I think so. I think so. The frog is saying yes. The frog knows all. Yes, that's (laughs) when I wrote If Found. (laughs) The frog. Which honestly, I think. That's it, Susan. If Found is probably my favorite of your work. And it's not just because um, Patrick is in it, it could be because Patrick's in it. I I love Patrick. Um, But there's something um, really beautiful about If Found. Um, Thank you. So I like
1: it a lot. Uh, the story we've talked about is called Atlas Shrugs um, by Autumn Chills. One word. But it's spelled like Autumn Chills, but it's no spaces or anything.
0: I have put that on my list.
1: So, yeah, it's not even 5K. It's 35.
0: So, but yeah, that, you know, I, th- I think the, lo- we have uh, the most popular fandom on Rough Trade is Harry Potter. I, th- I think that would surprise no one. Um, it's also followed most closely popular... by Stargate.
1: It's also Rough... Harry Potter is also the most popular fandom on Quantum Bank. Um, which kind of did. I don't know why that surprised me, but it did. I, you know, not that it, it, I felt foolish for being surprised that it had the most signups the first year, the most completed works the first year. Because there's probably no more fandom in dire need of fixing. Right. Than that one. <laughs> um,
0: Except the MCU. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Practically every movie in the MCU has a
1: point to fix it. Yeah. Fair. Um, Mm. but I, there, there have definitely been, um, I've, I had the, some, some challenges that I was like, you know, some stories, it is rare, like rare, that I had an idea already where I went, Oh, I could use this idea for this challenge. I've got something already ready. The vast majority of the time, the idea is conceived around the challenge. Like I find out about the challenge and I go, okay, well, what am I going to do for that? Sometimes it takes me months and months and months and months to come up with something. Like I'm waiting for, and sometimes I talk to somebody and I, you know, noodle an idea. And sometimes I have a really good idea that I'm excited about, but it just isn't striking me right, or I don't really want to write in that fandom. My original idea for um, this November was a Teen Wolf idea, which. I'm still really excited about it i'm not going to reveal the plot of anything about the plot because i'm it could be a potential quantum bang story maybe not this next year but further out but it has the it has fixed it potential so um but i'm just not feeling the sort of there's to me there's like an inherent darkness in teen wolf um and if you're doing time travel in teen Wolf conceivably for me i can't imagine doing time travel and not fixing stuff that's sort of like really delving into everything that's wrong with the fandom and then pulling it apart and putting it back together It not in the fandom in the canon and um and um anyway so i just wasn't feeling it um wanting to write anything in a kind of a dark fandom or a story that felt kind of dark um I don't mind a little angst, but I just didn't want that kind of underpinning of a dark world, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is why I wound up with a 911 story, which is nine one one doesn't really, to me lend itself to time travel. So that's why we went kind of like with an I went with like an inexplicable time travel device um, which and is the other the beauty option of
0: like, which is just beautiful because you don't have to explain yourself at all
1: <laughs> right. Um, which is the other option was um magical realism, which I didn't want to get into the world building for magical realism. So um at least not right right now i don't mind world building obviously i've done fair fair bit of it but um so so a lot of times i'll have an idea that i'm like noodling with or i think that's what i'm going to go with and then i i pivot um do something else at the last minute sometimes i put one part up and replot but most of the time the the story is conceived from the challenge so you know found please return was conceived Specifically for the Second Chances Challenge, I had no notion of that story before that challenge was announced. Um, I'd had a notion of an idea of Tony having a different family, a different father, but um, it was it was conceived around and it, I had to kind of asked myself a what if question one day after that challenge had been announced, and that's where the idea came from. So, um, so I think some of my favorites of my own works have been conceived because a challenge. You know, this is the challenge parameters, and I went off and worked on a story to... Um...
0: The story where Buck gets kidnapped is called Come Then and Be Broken by Unintentional Genius. Is, is, is that their whole pen name? Um, yeah, Un, Unintentional G- Genius, and it's on AO3. It is almost complete. It's six out of seven chapters, and it is currently 72,000 words. Um... But it, it it does have torture in it. I would not say it's super explicit torture, but there is torture on screen. Um, I would not I would not put it in the range of torture porn because I don't read that. Um, it was difficult uh, to read, uh, but not like traumatic for me to read. I but take care of yourself, always, guys. Just take care of yourself and and be careful. Um,
1: I uh, yes. Yeah, sometimes I have to be in a very specific headspace, to even. Um, but I think
0: you could skip the torture scene and not miss much. There, there's no characterization there that would that would mess with you. So if you just kind of scroll down and get past the torture scene, you, you'll be fine. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Because there's a funny thing is sometimes you just got to know your limits. Like I got in a very dark place as a reader and a writer in the X Files fandom, and so particularly around the subject of torture. And if you have ever read in the X Files fandom, you know what I'm talking about about the torture levels in a lot of the fiction in exiles and um i had become very numb to the violence and it had really dramatically affected my mood um and so i kind of like had kind of like had to get like resensitized to things i actually found triggering when i stopped reading in that fandom and um so i'm really careful about how much of certain things I expose myself to anymore and how I expose myself to it. Because I remember I talked about when I wrote Sentry um, that my my plot called for um, more torture in it. And I actually did write a little more torture than actually what occurred in the, in the story. But I backed it, backed it out because I just couldn't stomach it. I couldn't stomach putting torture on screen. And so what little is in there still was difficult for me. It was difficult for me to edit. Um, And I, after we did that podcast where I talked about that the first time, about back and walking that back, I heard from somebody about how there there really isn't any torture in that story and, and what's my damage and why do I have a problem with it?
0: I'm like, well, okay. You can, dude, you can suck my ass. Okay. My whole entire ass. All right. Open right. wide. Because, you know, middle uh, age spread has happened. Yeah, fuck that guy too, Shadow.
1: <laughs> but this is everybody's got different levels of tolerance so you've gotta gotta do what's right for you um and sometimes it's not even about what's on screen sometimes it's just the illusion of what's off screen can be enough to be massively triggering so um and you just got to be sure you're in the right headspace for that kind of thing if it's something you find upsetting
0: yeah, I don't need. I don't need a lot of explicit torture. Just, just tell me it happened. I'll, I'll deal with it. Please deal with it responsibly in the recovery, um, and I'll be fine. You know, I mean, it happens. It's, it's worth exploring as, a, as a element of external, uh, uh, conflict. Just, I don't, I don't read torture porn. Um, just, just like I, I don't read snuff. So, no,
1: I actually, when something starts to feel like torture porn, I at, it doesn't, t- but I hit that level of it feels like torture porn a lot quicker than most people do.
0: True story. Me and Jilly were reading a story simultaneously by accident. I was a little bit ahead of her and she went to bed and I finished it. And I wrote to her, I messaged her, and I said, do not finish that story. Wherever you are, stop and just let go. Because there came a moment in this story, uh, it was a Hannibal story, um, where it exceeded my ability to handle. And I, I read, except I've read, I've read, I've read, I've practically read most of it, the Hannibal fandom, to be perfectly honest, um as long as it didn't have, you know, rape or non-con in it. um, But that story was so, it, it went from a revenge killing to torture porn in like 10 words. It was awful. And it wasn't even Hannibal doing it.
1: And one of the people who knows me fairly well and knows. Shadow, yes, me off-
0: <laughs> that was exactly the right one. I don't yeah. want to say out. No, don't, don't give the title. Cause I don't, I'm not bashing the author. I'm just saying, cause the, honestly, the story was really well written, but the content was. Oh, over the top. And I, you know, just, I was like, Julie, don't, don't finish the story. I don't um, know if you ever I, did but
1: no no cuz when somebody I trust who knows me fairly well warns me off of something like that I'm I'm going to I'm going to take the warning and and not do that to myself.
0: Um yeah, but you know if, if you ever get to a point in a story where you're starting to be uncomfortable, do yourself a favor and close it.
1: Just course, just close it. it. Or consult with somebody who's read it and ask them, where is this going? I was reading this series. It was early in my 911 reading. Somebody had rocked it to me. Because I was looking for, like, meaty, like, s- stories of some substance. Because I felt like I had fallen into this 3K rabbit hole. And I wanted out. Um, and so I'd asked people for some, like, work. And so somebody, since people recommended this. you got to read this series. It's, love it. Da, da, da. I didn't get very far. And I, I was getting uncomfortable. And it's because the internal conflict for the for one of the characters seemed to be um, what I the way I was reading it to be um, internalized homophobia. And I needed to know if I was reading that right. And like where, and so I, I stopped reading and I asked, you know, where is this going? Um, I talked to somebody kind of offline, I mean, not in public about where it was going and how long this persisted and and what were the ramifications of it. Because I, it's one of those particular things I'm not interested in reading for the most part. I could deal with it kind of as a passing mention or if it's, it's very brief, but if it's something that kind of drags on over like multiple books or, you know, you're going to get 150 K of that being the main internal motivator, I can't deal. It's just, it's my limit. Right. So, I stopped because I was getting uncomfortable and I, I talked to somebody and said, what, what can I expect from this? And I found out that it was going to go in a direction that I wasn't going to be able to cope with. And I never finished that particular series and it gets wrecked to me all the time.
0: (laughs) So I don't like to read internalized homophobia either because I don't like to read self harm. Yeah. And And hating yourself is like the ultimate form of self harm to me personally beyond, you know, actually killing yourself um I just don't like to read it. it it makes me very uncomfortable
1: and I've been told that that you know in this particular story that it does get resolved and it gets resolved very well and da 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 but I don't want to go that journey of for that length of time with with that as 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 the main conflict so um and sometimes it's something very subtle like the source of the conflict in a story can be really upsetting and you just are like no I can't um, go there it's sort of like when a, when, it, and this is more of an irritation thing, but when a, when the main source of conflict is a persistent misunderstanding because two adults can't communicate with one another, I can't deal. I can't deal. I just, it, that can go on for three or 4k, but it can't go on for 30 or 40k. I have my limits. So yeah. I
0: like take two idiots in love just as much as the next person, but there, but there is a limit.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I figure canonically Buck and Eddie are two idiots in love, but there's not, there's not necessarily a misunderstanding. Failure to communicate is not the same thing as a misunderstanding.
0: Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I find the challenge environment, uh, Sometimes I need the confinement of a challenge environment. Does that make sense? I mean, it should because I have one million words in progress in the background of my, yeah. on, on, on well, my it's, hard drive. It's, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, it's structure. I mean, I think for I think challenges wouldn't be so popular if the structure didn't help people. Um, and sometimes the themes are, y'all. If there weren't themes that were geared to Harry Potter, um, now I I did write one. I I think I've written Harry Potter four times for. Why would I do that to myself? I've written Harry Potter four times for Rough Trade, I think. And I think two so, times was Slytherin required, Black. Required by the Slytherin Black, a Leo Moto, um Restoration, Frog. And...
0: <laughs> because you said you read all the stories. <laughs> what was Jilly's fourth Harry Potter story?
1: <laughs> if it was just
0: three. Oh yeah, because she said we did we did the Mulligan challenge. You did Slytherin Black twice.
1: Oh, I did. Yeah, you're right. I did do it twice. <laughs> I did do it twice. I did something by twice. So um, twice it was... Re- <laughs> Thank you, Frog. <laughs> Thank you, Frog. Twice it was required for the challenge. So Call It Magic was a Harry Potter challenge. And then there was another one where it was required for the challenge, which it was when we had an SGA in Harry Potter. And then Slytherin Black was not required for the challenge. So when I signed up for Harry Harry Potter for Slytherin, for Slytherin Black, I think there was a lot of head scratching because like why are you doing harry potter when you don't have to <laughs> i like i don't know i don't, I don't know. know but i do think slytherin black is um my best harry potter story i'm Although looking forward to when
0: you finish it i'm looking forward yeah, to that too
1: oh i do think aliomoto is a little more original but um
0: i you know honestly i agree i think Moto* is probably one of the most original fics i've read in harry potter I mean, I it's like, like it, it really stands out to me, but also, but also and was a caveat of saying, is that how you said that word caveat uh-huh. of saying that I don't actually normally read fixed time travel fix where they go back that far, because most often than not, it ends up being Harry Potter going back to either raise Voldemort or fuck Voldemort. And I'm just not here for it.
1: <laughs> no, no,
0: <laughs> I just, I'm not here for either one of those. As a rule,
1: <laughs> I don't think I've. Re- I mean, I'm sure it exists because I it, with it with like over a million fixed in the Phantom. I'm sure that the, you know there's. I haven't read anything where that goes back to. You know, I've read certainly read stuff that goes back to like the founders era. You know, I actually, it's actually a partic- trope I don't particularly don't like, but I've read it. Um, and then I've, but I don't think I've read anything where it goes back to before his birth. Um, I think that I think I put it back four or five years before. Voldemort.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, to me, to me, it was a very unique reading experience and I really enjoyed it. Um, but it also, the concept isn't one I'd probably seek out because I don't really enjoy Severus Snape as a character, but you did some excellent uh, world building and characterization and that it's just awesome. It's, it was off the hook. Thank you. As I would have said in my youth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Southern Black is my favorite of my Harry Potter stories, um...
0: as it should be, because I, because I, I, I I expected to get very sexy, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was um, it was the one I didn't need to sign up for Harry Potter with. But I just what was the theme of that challenge? Why did I do that to myself? Um,
0: was it was it time travel? No, it couldn't have been because he does time travel in that fic.
1: He does. Um, it was April twenty seventeen, and the theme was um, oh, wrong, wrong, wrong version of *Slytherin Black*. November twenty fifteen was the first time. It was up close and close personal. And personal. Sing- single POV challenge. <laughs> Kira's favorite.
0: Yeah, I did um, Dr. Lowell that that time. Yes,
1: you did. And you That's
0: when I learned that I really don't
1: like single POV. I,
0: I really don't like single POV. And that's when Lady Holder lo- found out she lo- loves the fuck out of single POV. <laughs> I
1: lady holder i rest- do
0: not head hop i think
1: i think you did restoration i head hopped no, she- in my
0: youth but i do not head hop there is a difference between changing pov and head and head hopping and i that's one of the things i trained myself out of a long time ago la holder i won't put you in the corner <laughs>
1: um yeah single pov challenge i think we all did harry potter because i think lady holder did restoration right at fusion, yeah, yeah. So, and you, and your POV character was Draco, I think. Um, but like, I didn't have to do Harry Potter for that challenge, and so it's like always been befuddling to me. Like, why did I do that to myself?
0: Maybe um, it was just the idea itself was so inspiring, which which is great because that's that's taking you to a place where you didn't have to do it, but you wanted to.
1: Yeah, and I did time travel. I think, I think that was my first time travel story. Um, so yeah, I find the challenges. I mean, sometimes we get the challenge and I just kind of, sometimes I'm befuddled. I'm like, what am I going to do for that? But then, you know, I always come through. I feel like I always come up with an idea that I really enjoy. Um, sometimes I get well, this, into it and I this go. this
0: year's challenges you helped conceive.
1: This year's challenge, I asked for, I mean, for the
0: 2021?
1: Yeah. I Basically, I asked for, these were all challenges that, occurred before I joined, really started a rough trade. <laughs> and she so-
0: wanted to participate in them
1: right except the soulmate challenge that was kind of a mulligan i asked for soulmate because it was a mulligan cuz the f- soulmate was originally um november 20 f- november 2014 and that's the one where i had my head injury and so yeah. i don't feel like i ever got to do that challenge so um these were all like i i never got to do the shifter challenge cuz that was before i um, joined and then joined. we
0: did time travel right we're so the, we they did
1: we did paranormal and urban fantasy instead of doing just sh- straight shifters adapted it so it was Inclusive to other paranormal fandoms. Um, yeah, I asked for some. Can we do this? Like the stuff I di- I I didn't get to do so in the two years before I joined, <laughs> and, and the one that I had a head injury for. Um, so yeah, I, I asked. I asked for all the theme. This was all by request.
0: And but the next year, I was I in was, the mod chat, and Jillie was asleep, asleep. <laughs> and she woke <laughs> so, up to all three challenges being done. Yes, um, I had nothing.
1: I had nothing to do with next year. Nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you can blame anybody, you can blame the mods for encouraging me to do the thing that I did. But um I'm
1: yeah, excited I, about it though. I'm excited about I,
0: it. I, I think each challenge is really interesting and um exciting. Uh
1: they are. But the funny thing is sometimes you think a thing is gonna go a certain way and then you get into it and you go, Oh. So like um I think it was last summer, the real end, or was it the year before? The real was, end we did was, in
0: July 2019.
1: I was so jazzed about that challenge. I thought it was going to be so great. And when Kira had conceived it, I was like, yes. And then we got into it and I went, no. Yeah. You you know why? You know
0: why? We structured a fucking challenge around the one thing that we both hate. Right.
1: Falling Falling action. action. Fucking falling action. Like why? And the thing is, I'm sitting there, I'm working on the challenge and I'm going, and one of my projects for that was defining moment. And, um, that was one of my real end, um, entries was defining moment and i was miserable i was like i can't i can't compart i this is just i feel like i'm trying to slot this in this weird space and i don't know what to do and and so i really the thing is i really like of of all the of the challenges i've not done well with because there have been a few the story that has stuck with me that i really wished i could finish that i really wish i could just like somehow like pluck it out of my brain and just have it download and be done. Cause I really did have a fully formed idea was Defining Moment. And um that's why I signed up for it was the first one I signed up for when I signed up for the with Big Bang, which is and because it was because of that challenge that y'all got Sentry and Aliyomoto and Defining Moment. Um and um I was like I want to kind of get into another like a challenge structured environment where there's like monthly check-ins and stuff and get this story finished. And, um, and it was like a blast in the past about why I was struggling with that story. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah. I, I did I'm,
0: Terminator and Aliens in mine. I enjoyed them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, 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 we threw our stuff right there at the following action.
1: Um. I felt like, I, you know, I felt like you didn't allow yourself to get stuck and I did. Um.
0: Once I, mean, I realized I, what I was doing where I, I backed up my terminator story so that I was I, so I was not in the falling action mm. um and then I changed the falling action for terminator but for aliens I didn't want to rewrite like where I was and so um and writing it from his point of view changed it because writing from both of their points of view changed everything for me because it like the movies themselves aren't told that way I mean, you're clearly in Sarah's story and you're clearly in Ripley's story. And telling them from the points of view of um Kyle and Dwayne was different. And it allowed me to kind of explore that. But when I first went into it, I was just as stuck as you were. I, it was just like, oh God, what what the fuck did I do to myself? What why? What did I do? Why did I do this fucking fall in action?
1: <laughs> and the funny the funny thing about the whole I don't know. I mean, I just I let that my my notion of what that challenge was supposed to be really hampered me mm-hmm. really I just really I really got myself get stuck. so um, to get unstuck sometimes I with with that like if if a story really bombs in rough trade for me, sometimes I have to just stop thinking about what the rough trade challenge was. And I go back to it and just try to finish the story and let it just be whatever it is. Um, I do think ultimately that one still fits in the rewriting the end of age of Ultron sort of kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't because it, it's in this nebulous space of end of age of Ultron because it's not just the end of age of Ultron. It's obviously quite a bit more than that, but it doesn't actually cr- encroach into the next movie in any way. So I don't know. It's sometimes my own literalness it's in my well, way, what
0: I did with both of mine was obliterate the plot of the sequels,
1: which I think that if you're rewriting it, it kind of because I mean I like I can't imagine writing rewriting the end of a movie that wouldn't at least drastically affect the rest of what comes right. after
0: so because if it doesn't then 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 what have you done?
1: right? I mean, because if you look if I mean I, I know defining moment's fairly new, so maybe not. Not many people have read it yet, but um, most of the MCU is not intact after that story, and it's only like 25k. Um, It didn't take a whole lot of effort.
0: Yeah, and and I was perfect. I I I didn't get sniffly until the last 1,000 words, and then you ruined my day. (laughs) I was sniffly and red-eyed the rest of the day. My husband goes, is something wrong." And I said, "No, Jarvis lived." He's like, oh god, you and your fan fiction
1: And he walked away And you just say, don't you wish that there was a, a, An actual movie where Jarvis lived y- you, you know you do So just think I have fan fiction
0: Jarvis lived Travis is an Apple now <laughs> he's, he's a MacBook Pro <laughs> <laughs> But um so yeah, I I think one of the reasons why rough trade continues to be um, engaging and successful is that we aren't uh, trying to corral authors into our own vision. Um, we're not trying to swamp them down with our with our own head cannon. Uh, we don't put a lot of rules on them that are bizarre and weird because uh, it's not about Rough Trade isn't about the story you tell. It's about your journey as a writer.
1: Yeah, And putting weird rules on you about, like, what you can name your characters or which pairings you have to write or how old your characters have to be, except unless they're having sex. And then the, I think, is Rough Trade 16? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, And, you know, so, I mean, there's some... There's no arbitrary weird rules about, like, you know, what we're, we're going to analyze the abuse quotient of the canon relationship and decide whether or not that's a ship that you get to write.
0: Which is so weird. That is that's so bizarre.
1: Ever.
0: That is so bizarre. Honestly, if, if that was a quotient, then I could never host any kind of Gibbs fiction ever. Right? <sighs> because there are some seasons of NI- NCIS where he's an outright bully. And so it would just be impossible to have Gibbs centric fiction on any of my sites if I had that kind of quotient in mind.
1: But honestly, I mean, can you imagine evaluating a bunch of canons to decide if the character interactions are healthy and if you're going to allow ships between these? But, the Except is, they're
0: not really doing that. Let's no, the thing
1: is, they just don't like a certain ship that is very, honestly, very popular. Um, they honestly don't like two certain ships, but they can't cut one of them out. Um and they don't I'm. Like what do you mean by that? Uh, huh? <laughs> I'm dying to know what you mean by that. These Two certain parents.
0: You need to give me a note in the pa- in, in my chat so I can see. Um, oh, oh, really? So they can't cut out the first one, but they are cutting out the second one,
1: right? Um, but the first one, um, everybody has to be 18. Okay. But but that rule that that aging up rule is not sufficient for the second parent, oh huh,
0: huh, and it's not you know be- a be- i wouldn't, and it's not because I wouldn't write the other pairing, but I would not participate in that challenge because of the rule,
1: right, I feel the same way, it's and, weird and it's not it is um probably, Susan, I'm not hundred percent sure it's it was it's, it's very, they're um, I don't know what they are, I think they're well, I would
0: say, ah. Uh, what I would say is that if you're structuring a challenge, your goal should be inclusive, not exclusionary, um, to a point. Obviously, you don't want pedophilia in your challenge. Maybe you do. I don't. Um, and you don't. There, there are certain things that you you probably would not want in your challenge, pedophilia being one of them. I mean, actual um,
1: pedophilia, which is prepubescent. Okay. So, you know, for there are some people out there who are struggling with what the definition of pedophilia Look it up, sweetheart. It's, it's, it's not hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, awesome. don't, you don't have to flee, frog.
0: We are your people. We are your tribe. I I bear. I could not watch even thirty minutes of that show because of that character.
1: <laughs> right. And I was like, oh my god, Peter, why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you bite
0: Styles instead? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> but um, it's I mean it's awful. It's awful, but uh, yeah, so I think when you're structuring a challenge and in, being inclusionary is important, being um, having dynamic uh, uh, themes are important, and also not stagnating in your themes and getting stuck in a rut because when you get stuck in a rut, your participants will too, and then they'll get bored and they'll move on. But we have participants on Rough Trade who have participated in every single challenge.
1: Or at least tried to. I mean, sometimes. Or at least
0: tried. Yeah. I mean, since the very damn beginning, and that is awesome. And the thing is, is even signing up for Rough Trade is a big step. If that's just the first step you make four or five times, and you never actually get to the writing point, that is fine. Signing up is a step in itself. Setting up your project file is is another step. Setting up, you know, writing your first chapter, that's a step. And every step you take on that journey is worthy of being acknowledged
1: we have have people who have signed up every year for the quantum bang and they have not submitted anything and that's fine but i know there are people who are still working on the same story that they started the first year and they signed up again so this year i'm going to try to get it done this year and i believe eventually they will get it done and if it takes them four or five years that's fine and if signing up is part of that motivation to keep working on that then I think the signing up was worth it. It does not cost me anything. And I think that if it took somebody five years to get the story finished, then that's how long that story took. I look
0: forward to seeing it.
1: And that's the truth.
0: I I am not being like uh, a smart ass. I really genuinely look forward to seeing it. Um, Seeing another writer accomplish something like that, whether it takes six months or six years, I am 100% here for it. Even if I don't read your fandom, I am a hundred percent here for it. <laughs> yeah, and cool I do. Life. I do enjoy the challenge environment. I, I also, I you know, I've been playing with my bingo cards. I finished my fluff bingo, and I'm about halfway through my trope bingo. Even though trope bingo ended two years ago, um, or whenever it ended, and I really enjoy those little cards, um, a lot.
1: Yeah. It's fun. I like I like the structure of a challenge environment. I like the inspiration from prompts and kind of the... I like completing a prompt list or whatever. Um, but for me, if I'm going to delve into something, it has to be... It all comes down to like it has to be flexible enough, right? Like I don't like... There was somebody who did a bingo. They were talking about this weird structure for the bingo. It's like they got a prompt list, but... They didn't actually see the bingo card until after they'd published their stories. So like you didn't know if you got a bingo until it was, it was so weird. I was like what? I mean,
0: I blacked out my whole card, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would I always would go for a blackout too, but if you don't know what the card is, that means you have to write every single fucking prompt. So, you know, I mean it was just it was just it was just so and the thing is sometimes I feel like people put stuff into challenges kind of arbitrarily to try to make them different from the other person who's doing the similar challenge and sometimes arbitrary the reason nobody else is doing that is because it's weird and not not the thing is your need to be original about how you run your challenge may not be conducive to um a good environment for the people participating in the challenge um i'm like a lot of times some of the times ways i do things on the like we do things on the way on the quantum bang whatever is based upon how i've seen other people do things in other challenges like doing the opposite of it like okay we're not going to be doing that (laughs) So, for instance one of the things i'd say in like the faqs is that if there's any anything ambiguous like i didn't phrase a rule well or whatever that generally i would try to find like let's say that somebody wanted to do something that i didn't think fit the thing the challenge for some reason but it wasn't explicit in the rules that unless it was something that was going to harm the other participants in some fashion that I would try to skew that I would find in their favor until I could until the next year when I would reclarify the rules because it's not fair for somebody to be going to through effort and to have worked and then because of ambiguity on my part or me failing to be clear or me not even thinking of something that their work is now not going to be able to be used. So if, if in any way I can be flexible to allow somebody else to go forward, that's what I would do. And the reason why I do it that way is because I've seen mods shut people down over really trivial things. Like, it's oh no, awful,
0: it, that's just hurtful to somebody's process. Why would you do that?
1: Yeah, just stuff that's not on the rules. You think you've read the FAQ, you think you're good, and then you go, and then somebody asks a question and it's like, well, why would that be a problem? And the mod's like, no, no, you can't do that.
0: One of the reasons why I keep the rough trade rules really simple and kind of concrete, the only thing that really changes is like the theme and the word count, um, is for that very reason alone. Like you go into a challenge, you already know the rules because they're simple, you know? And I think that that's the point.
1: I was participating in this challenge and I I try not to mention challenges the challenge itself by name although sometimes when I'll describe something people might be able to suss out what I but I don't want to like call out other challenges specifically because I don't most challenges have good and bad and I've gotten good and bad you know good things out of every challenge I've participated in even if sometimes it's a giant headache that's why I'm not mentioning challenges by name Um, but I participated in a challenge that like After, you like all said and done, there's this really weird requirement at the very end that you don't know about until the very end. And if you don't meet this real requirement, after you post, mind you, you're done. You think you're done. And you've got this weird little step you have to do. Um, And if you don't do it, you're banned from ever participating again. And if you don't do it right, okay, mind you, there's also a right way to do this little step. And if you don't do it right, they aren't even going to tell you you didn't do it right and you'll get banned because you'll be considered not compliant with this little step. It was, it was like, what? What? This is so dumb. And I think it was just, it's this bizarre little procedural thing that they wanted to tack on to the end. And it could have been done very simply like, hey, we need to, we need to know when you're done. You need to know when you've posted and you need to notify us in some fashion. But instead of making it that simple, they made it very convoluted and complicated to do this little simple procedural thing. And if you don't do the simple procedural thing and in this convoluted fashion and you don't do it exactly right, you won't get to participate again. The thing is, you don't know about that rule until after you are 95% of the way through your participation.
0: I just scrunched my nose up so far I hurt myself. It pushed my glasses up against my brow ridge.
1: And the thing is, see, I, I could have, I could have finished out the challenge, posted, and just taken the ban in the future years. But I don't, I don't know. It just sat weird with me. The idea that I can, actually can't conceive of why I would do this challenge again. But this particular one, I'm thinking about why I'd do it again. But it's just, I just, I, I don't honestly know how you have time for any other challenges. We are packed full. I know, I know. <laughs> i think sometimes this is is a funny thing that i do sometimes is when i'm struggling with my writing in any fashion i will sometimes seek out challenges as kind of like a structure but the funny thing is one of the reasons why i'm struggling with my writing is because i've had too many challenges to do so it's kind of like i sort of need to check myself before i wreck myself sort of um because i should have backed out of every challenge i had i had major surgery back in May. And I should have backed out of every single challenge I was involved in from that point for at least three months. been involved mm-hmm. in nothing and given myself time to not have anything that had a deadline or a due date or pressure because um, I want to, you know, because I just, I like was like cruising along with best case scenario. Like I was going to have no complications or something. That was not what happened. So, um,
0: I don't even know where your optimism comes from.
1: I don't either. <laughs> Considering your Especially, history. right? <laughs>
0: I mean, there was every reason to believe you'd be allergic to one of the people
1: doing the surgery. <laughs> I that might have actually been I might have actually been. Um <laughs> just allergic to I'm allergic to you specifically. <laughs> I'm allergic to my surgeon, don't touch me. Um But you know, it was it just I and the thing is I was actually involved in I think I was signed up in three separate challenges at that period of time. <laughs> I was doing the every fan. The best I,
0: part about this is the other night she came to me and says, Hey, do you want to do this, 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 and this for a challenge?
1: <laughs> I know, right? I just can't even stop myself. But the thing is, I'm so the thing and is, of course, I feel like, because I'm a crazy person. I said, Yes. <laughs> yes. So because I am, um, <laughs> because I was not, I was having struggles. I did have a lot of complications and I've been going through a lot of tests trying to figure out what was going on with me but this post surgical complication. I, was struggling to get through the last two challenges. Well, three really, if you count rough trade in July. Um, Cause I had this, every fandom bang that I did. Did I, did, I can't remember Did I did one story for that or two. I don't know why right. I thought I did two stories, but oh, I can't honestly remember. I can't remember <laughs> what I've written this year. And then I had three stories in the work in progress bang. And the thing is, I don't stop. Are you saw... fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> That was the that's why Leo moto defining moment and Sentry all got posted so close together. They're all part of the same challenge, um, <laughs> which was the they called the sort of finisher shit bang right. So you take a work in progress, you stall that on, and you. So I signed up for three. Some people signed up for five or six. I only signed up. I thought three was aggressive, but when I found other people had signed up with more than like five, I was like, holy crap. Um, but and then and then I did rough trade in that, and all of that was going on in the three months this this period when i was struggling to recover from the surgery and having all these complications and having all of these um tests going on and then and also for the work in progress bang i also signed up as an artist so i had to do two pieces of art for that and um yeah it just was i, so I, was str- I felt like i was really struggling to write and i think the issue was not so much that there was a oh i did do two stories for the every to every fandom um I thought there were two, but I just couldn't remember one. <laughs> I forgot about Tony Stark fucks off to Canada. Um, Which is the best title ever. <laughs> but I, I should have just—I wasn't—I wasn't struggling to write. I was struggling to heal, and I need to give myself some space. So in my head, this translated to, "Oh, I'm struggling to write. I should get myself into a more structured challenge." And I have to like smack myself in the head. And go! What are you thinking? You don't need any more challenges. I don't need any more challenges because the problem is, is all, with all those challenges, that's all. I have to edit all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. We I've,
0: could do like a work in progress weekend where we set out a weekend and do like a whole bunch of sprints with it on um, Just Right. We could do like yeah. a work in progress week, weekend and do it once a month if you want, guys. That, that would be something that would be really interesting and fun. Probably not doing rough trade, but like outside of rough trade. Um, it'd be a good time to work fun. on your... Um, your projects, or your quantum bang, or whatever,
1: <clears throat> yeah, whatever's whatever's hanging over your head that you specific dig oh, and out. I think that would be a
0: lot of fun. That yeah. could get me through the battle of the five armies.
1: <laughs> it, it could, um, <laughs> but sometimes I mean challenges have a lot of appeal depending upon the type of challenge. Um, Rough trade is specifically a writing challenge, which is a very different. It is a very different type of challenge from a bang, which is a very different thing from a kink. Um, kink meme or a kink prompt uh, which is different from a bingo they're all they all have a a different flavor to them and some people like any kind of challenge that comes their way and some people like very specific types of challenges and the only way you can know what suits you is to try something out and if it doesn't go well try something else and if you find something that is that is you this is your niche this is what you love stick with it keep doing it
0: but on the other side of that is don't Force yourself to participate in something. Because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. So because if you're not enjoying yourself. And you're not growing as a writer. um, If this environment is not helpful to you. Because like Julie said earlier. There are pros and cons to every challenge. And that is true for Rough Trade as well. Um, It is not a challenge. That I would encourage you to undertake. If you have anxiety. About people reading your work in a rough draft, obviously. But also, if you're one of those people who genuinely need a lot of feedback, Rough Trade isn't for you. Because a lot of people, I mean, we've got 19 million views as of July on Rough Trade. Um, most of those readers do not comment. You can get five, 6,000 views on your story and get four comments. So if you need that kind of interaction with your readers, then Rough Trade's not for you. And that's not a judgment I'm passing on you. I'm just telling you that Rough Trade won't serve your process if you need that kind of interaction with your readers. If you need to have a discussion with your readers, Rough Trade is not for you because I don't encourage that. You have no business having a conversation with your readers. You're supposed to be rotten.
1: <laughs>
0: right? And also, we don't want the, we don't want readers to have that kind of expectation of all the writers on Rough Trade. So if you're doing it, they would think, I should be doing it or Julie should be doing it or, you know, whoever should be doing it and they don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So we don't encourage that kind of behavior in rough trade. Um, That's why, that's why we don't allow readers to ask questions because we don't want to have that kind of dialogue in our comment section. But if you need that kind of dialogue um, as part of your process then rough trade is not for you. And if deadlines upset you and make you nervous, um, then the quantum bang isn't for you. If you don't want to, work with an artist at the end and create and have art created for your, if, if that thought process makes you extremely nervous, then Quan Bang isn't for you. Um, if the fix it theme is too, is not conducive to your ideas. then obviously the Quan Bang is not for you. So, Knowing what works for you and and accepting that and acknowledging that and owning your own process is important to picking out challenge environments that challenge you, but don't demoralize you because I have never had a failure on rough trade that demoralized me. Pissed me off. Yes. Irritated me. Disappointed me. Yes. Maybe drink a whole bottle of wine. no. (laughs) I can't do that anyway these days. But even if I could, I wouldn't. You know, it, it, it's just, it's, it's not there. I don't mind falling flat on my face on Rough Trade because I, I'm learning something. And I hope that those of you who are reading and engaging me w- with me learn from my failure too. Because that's that's the point. But if the idea of that makes you want to throw up, then obviously Rough Trade is not for you. You know, and that's perfectly fine. It's okay just to be a reader on Rough Trade, even if you're a writer. And to just engage and and read stories, that's hundred percent okay. No judgment, you know.
1: Yeah. And some people, some people ride along with Rough Trade, like they do Nano. Um, there's always a Nano. Rough Trade is positioned where it is because there's a Nano event all three going nights. there. So some, all three times. So you can sign up for Camp Nano in July and April, and you can sign up for Nano in November. And some people ride along and try it out. And some people. Um, when they just don't want to deal with the pressure of... I mean, there are people who are normal rough trade participants who just don't want to deal with the pressure of sometimes of doing rough trade who will do nano and kind of ride along um, with the people on rough trade, but they're just doing it off in private without feeling like that they're exposing themselves. Because, I mean, that is a, that is a, sometimes a thing, even for people who've done rough trade before, that they just they just don't want to be naked in front of the world this month. It's just... Some ideas years...
0: also, and also some ideas are so um, intimately wrought that they're not really meant for public consumption until they're complete.
1: Yeah, some ideas you need to feel like you're done with, and also, I don't think I would have been as stuck on a leomoto if I had just done it in private and mm-hmm. finished it and then put it out, rather than getting emotionally wrapped around the axle about the people who are misunderstanding what I was writing. Um as I was going. And sometimes you don't know until you're in it that a story is going to f- hit you that way. And and the thing is, nobody's comments were off. They were just, it's not like they were bad comments. It wasn't that. It was like, because the, the, the comments were approved because they were fine. But then I would read them and go, but that's not what I wrote.
0: Yeah. And I one of my biggest stumbling blocks um, moving into fandom for just for stress relief because uh, writing professionally was killing me literally. It was killing me. Um, One of the things that really struck me that I didn't have to enter, that I didn't have to deal with as a professional writer that I deal with regularly in fandom is um, the interaction with readers and also the interaction of readers with my work. And you cannot control what a reader gets out of your words. No, you can be as explicit as you possibly can and they'll still get something else out of it. And you can't control that. And, having that realization and accepting that and learning to ignore how wrong, 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 thousand percent wrong. They are about what I wrote was really difficult. (laughs) And also some readers get bent around the axle and assume that what you wrote for a character is what you believe. Like it stands out specifically that there's a line in what might've been where Sebastian is disdaining um, middle America. And he said, I, I guess they want me to live in a shack in Nebraska. <laughs> but he's a kid from Los Angeles. What else would he possibly think? It's not like I think everybody lives in a shack in Nebraska, okay but he's he's ten years old and he's from Los Angeles. you know but they they, they attributed his dialogue to me personally and sent me an email about it telling me how unfair I was to treat Nebraska that way you terrible I've terrible never person. even been to Nebraska I promise I don't have any feelings about Nebraska personally but Sebastian did <laughs> yeah
1: people are so weird that's all st-
0: that whole sex thing where they assume you've had all this sex but they never assume you've got bodies buried in
1: your backyard right exactly you've done that right I mean, no no I no no but I don't, also, I don't, I yes, don't actually sometimes. have a penis. I know it comes across <laughs> that way at occasion, but I don't actually have I one.
0: Actually, when I first got started in Stargate, I had more than one reader write me and ask me if I was actually a dude.
1: Well, we've had that. It came up in public that there have been some people who assumed I was. You corrected somebody on Live Journal and told them I was female. Um, really? I, I, that is like totally gone from my brain. Yeah, you did. Because somebody was talking about it, and they were like, Julia's female and I, they were just so stunned. and I was just like and and you sent me a link to it and I was reading it going just like oh, what a, what a bizarre bizarre thing for them <laughs> to bring up on live journal um I, I don't actually care what's in anybody's pants um unless unless I'm getting into those pants
0: right I, I, if, if I'm getting into the pants I, I I do have expectations because I have preferences which I'm allowed to have um I'm just I'm allowed that anyways um <laughs> Because recently I was told I wasn't, and it really pissed me off.
1: Uh, but sometimes, yeah, I know. Sometimes people think that you're not allowed to.
0: Whatever. I I said on a podcast years ago that I require a dick. That I I have specific sexual uh, preferences, and I require a penis. Okay, I require one. Um, and if you didn't come with one, store bought is fine, <laughs> or you know, surgically put on is fine. I require a penis, okay? Uh, and I specifically require a large. Anyway, I was told in an email recently, what well, they say I was? That I was closed-minded. I'm like, dude, I just want a dick. I just want a dick. I mean, it's, it, I run a cock worshipping cult online. The dick should be obvious. <laughs> For years, I called my husband cock provider.
1: People still refer to him as CP, even if you don't. I know. Um, right. <laughs> but you know, people, sometimes we talk, we talk about things publicly, people just get really invested in that, or they look for any opportunity to find a contradiction. Um, I mentioned on another podcast that I identify as a lesbian, but I have slept with men before. And because I'd talked about having sex with men, um, that somebody sent me an email challenging me like that, you know, I couldn't be a lesbian because I had had sex with men. And I was like,
0: Oh, my God, you're not a gold star. How dare you?
1: I guess I have How to dare get my toaster t- back. <laughs> the one I got at my recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly,
0: I don't care what's in anybody's pants. Uh, that's why I I kind of waffle between you know what I write. I really don't give a shit about how what people have in their pants until it's time to put those things together in a sex scene and then I have to figure out what they got in their pants. And, and and that's what it's important to me. Um I write het and slash I, I have no preference really to that I prefer it's about pairings and emotional intimacy for me th- these days. Um, my OTP will always be McKay Shepherd. Always that is that is my ultimate OTP. I think next year I'm gonna write nothing but McKay Shepherd um, I have some ideas. She's she's got
1: plans.
0: At, at, at least for rough trade. At least for rough trade. Um, I have some ideas. So um they, they won't be connected because the themes are so varied that there's no, really no way to connect them. But um, I have some I have some ideas. So I am excited. Um, but I really enjoy the, the intimacy that I can create with Buck and Eddie and 911. Um, I like uh the partnership and the companionship that I can write in harmony when I write Harry and Hermione Um, I like the dynamic um, passionate fierceness of Harry and Draco it's like Hermione brings this softness to Harry um, but Draco brings out something else something fierce and determined and I like that too so when it comes to, like, writing pairings um, and picking out stories I'm going to write on rough trade, it's, it's not about any particular fandom or any particular pairing. Sometimes it's about, like, okay, what can I do with this idea? Who fits this idea best? And what am I going to get out of this as a writer? So you should always ask yourself that. What are you getting out of this story as a writer?
1: And you don't have to ship. I mean, I, we have a lot of people who write Jen, I've written...
0: Yeah, you don't have to ship on Rough Trade.
1: I have to. I've written a shocking amount of gin for somebody who's fundamentally considered himself a romance. I writer. mean, we
0: have we have some. We have had challenges that were kind of ship oriented, um, specifically like the ones for um, this Year of the Sentinel and of course Soulmates. But even Soulmates could have been platonic.
1: Yeah, and you usually give people an out on the on the pairing front if they like when you did Paranormal Romance. The out was you could write urban fantasy instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's usually an out on the shipping front. Um, so, but it's the same, it's also sometimes people get it and I, 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 I get it. I totally understand how fandom norms perceived, perceived, and it, they're, they're perceived norms, okay? How these perceived norms and fandom pressure to write a certain thing can affect you and make you think you have to do a certain thing. So there's like a, there's a, one of the things i run into the most with people is the perception that they have to write sex. If they're going to write a romance and you don't, you absolutely do not. We've talked about that a lot. Don't you should be pressured to write a sex scene. Um,
0: Honestly, when it comes to romance, building intimacy and emotional um, context is 95% of the romance, the honest communication, the intimacy, the love, the trust, the loyalty the, sense, the fidelity the,
1: con- the connection that you see between the characters you can realize that without a single moment of sex and i've read stories that were very fulfilling on the romance and the intimacy front that had no sex in them at all so it isn't required and sometimes people write sex either so it's like it's like there's a disconnect like it, it it's like you've got this incredibly intimate story and then there's a PWP in, the, in it and then back to intimacy. Um, and so sometimes sex can actually be a detractor. If
0: I felt like sex was a detractor in courting Hermione Granger and I have gotten grief about it. People who wanted to have the sex scene, I actually wrote it. It was the most awkward sex scene I've ever written in my life. And as someone who writes really good sex scenes, that's it was, it was appalling.
1: You felt like a peeping Tom, didn't you?
0: I did. It, it, it felt dirty and, and not in a good way. Um, like it,
1: spying on those pork people.
0: I think The Courting Hermione Granger is probably one of the most romantic stories I've, I've ever written. I think it's very romantic and intimate and beautiful um, and even sexy, but, th- but there's no sex in it. And, and I have no interest whatsoever in ever adding sex to it. Uh, people always ask me, would you go back and write a sex scene? The answer is no, absolutely not. It doesn't serve the story.
1: But also, I mean, that's kind of drifting into Omaki territory. And why would I? I can't stand that. Here's a random scene from the story I finished years ago. No. I don't dig
0: it. No, no. I just. I,
1: mean, I know some people really like doing that for their stories. That's if, if you literally like it, you. That's fine. I, I never read those ever. When I read a story, and then there's a selected like a. When I read a story and it's done, and then the next story in the series is outtakes from the story, I never read. Them. No. I re- I I'm gonna like read the them. story. I'm gonna read the story as the author presented it. And even if they're giving me this series of outtakes, I don't read them.
0: I sometimes write interludes for my stories. I did it a lot in Ties That Bind to kind of give you glimpses of other characters because I felt like it was important um, and these are little short stories. They're not required reading. Um, but they. one of my favorites is actually Sean and Declan's. Um,
1: yeah, that's great. But I feel like that's a different kind of series. Yeah, work. it's an
0: interlude. It's, it's yeah. not an omake or whatever. I don't, I don't even know what a fucking omake is to be perfectly honest. I mean, I know why Oma- I see it being o- done, but o- why? why- Omaki. Omaki. Why? Okay, I know it's from anime. Because you told me before, Arlena. (laughs) Only because you told me Omaki. Omaki? I just don't understand Omake? Omake. Okay. I just don't understand the point of them. It feels like fan service, I guess. Or author service. I don't know. Wank. It feels like wank. (laughs) Just and I wank in private, thank you. <laughs> I may have taken my theoretical dick a little too far that time. <laughs> I regret nothing.
1: Yeah, so I it's just not something I do. And so I wouldn't, like, if I were to do... The thing is, is a lot of times these omakes are taking place in the storyline that's already there. Mm-hmm. So if I were to add to a story that's already published, I'd be doing something like... in. It's next in the series, like you know, something that comes after or a prequel. But to just add a new scene, like an outtake that didn't make it into the original story, I just don't understand that. And like I said, I, d- I never read them when authors publish them.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, it, uh, like I said, it just, it just feels like wank to me. And so, you know,
1: I don't need like, that. If, I'm like, if it's, if it's something that belongs in the story, why isn't it in the story? It's, it just breaks the part of my brain that. There's a part of my brain that just can't deal with it. So, I mean, I think people should do what they want to do with their own work, but it's just isn't. Um, if I have more to tell in the story, I'm going to write another part of the story than whatever comes next or whatever came before. Because prequels are a form of sequel, by the way. Um, So, if your sequel is to write the prequel, I think that's fine. Sometimes you want to write what came before, and usually it's a very different tone or vibe kind of thing. I'm trying
0: to figure out if, if, if I can write a prequel, and I don't.
1: I did it once. It was... um, It
0: bothers the shit out of me.
1: (laughs) Just the idea. (laughs) And, well, there was also... I mean, the context I did it in was very different. But um, I read this series once where um, the original story, the, the first story in the series, was basically the romance the characters getting together kind of thing. And then the next story that came out, I think... Was a prequel that was one of the characters backstory because it's like one of the characters just was like, there was something very, and it was like, it was like what you really wanted to know because there, there was very, something very inscrutable about that character. Like, where did they come from? How did they get to be the way they are? Um, And it was all, it was their life prior to how, to, to, to their, to meeting this other person and actually going back to their childhood. And it was just. As, as because it was such a different tone and um, it had nothing to do with the storyline of the original story at all it was just completely it was something completely different um I don't know it, it's it's not something I could see that would happen typically but um normally I think that I, I'm more of a linear writer in that fashion but like I said I did I have done it once where I felt like I needed to go back and tack on a put put, put a prequel in
0: I was thinking someone asked me if, if I'd write a prequel to Darkly Law, and the answer is no because it would be so bittersweet. Just, just like I wouldn't write one for the begin for for um, that old Black Magic, because in both I circumstances mean, they lose everything that they built, and it's awful. And I'm doing that sort of um this year with Heart and Soul, but it's it's different because it's I, not yes, it's not a prequel.
1: Yeah, I plotted something that's sort of like a prequel to emergence but not really it's more like a side story it's the thing is it takes place before I don't think I'll ever write it but it takes place before the emergence timeline so by that measure it's a prequel but it's not part of the main storyline it's about some of the other dragons so is that a prequel or is that another story in the universe I,
0: I, I would call it a side story before I would call it a prequel I mean, even uh, if, if the timeline is different, because it about the because it's about a different set of characters, right? So, yeah. is that a is it I would consider it a sequel and like a side story before I would consider it a prequel. For me, a prequel involves the characters from the original novel. Yeah,
1: that's the way I typically think of it. It has to have at least one of the characters from the story. Because sometimes a prequel goes far enough back that, like in that one series I read in, in another fan, in that Phantom a long time ago. It, it only involved one of the characters in the main pairing, and it was their backstory. I would consider that a prequel. Um,
0: well, like there's a prequel in the theaters right now of Sopranos. Tony Soprano getting his start, yeah. getting ready and, to go to college.
1: This, this Black Widow yeah. movie is technically would technically be one of the would be a sort of prequel of a mm-hmm. sort. Uh, you know, I don't know Considering. why. I find it dumb as fuck to finally give us a Black Widow movie. It should it, it should have been okay, done she's before she's fucking in-game. dead,
0: right? It's 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 such a fuck you. I
1: mean, the thing is, after the fir- after we we when we were first introduced to her character, we at every, like fans were clamoring for a Black Widow movie, and we got everything but. And then I started to detest her because of her behavior, specifically in Age of Ultron, and um, not that she was well behaved in in Iron Two, but um, yeah. But I liked her in I liked her in Avengers, but. I was like, okay. So after Avengers, I was really hoping for a Black Widow movie because I didn't, I did like her, and and, but after Age of Ultron, I couldn't stand her, and certainly after Winter Soldier, I was like, I don't want nothing to do with this character. And then she dies, and they kind of, she got a little bit better in Endgame, and I was like, okay, I'm softening a little bit towards this character. And now she's dead, and I'm like, well, she saved the universe, kind of in a way. So it's, it's a noble death. And then moving on, in 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 a fast fashion then, then now we get a movie. Fuck you guys. I mean, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not watching that. I'm not doing it. It doesn't exist. Fuck for that me. guy I, four
0: times. But
1: it is. It is. <laughs> I would say it is because it is one of the main characters in it. Age the of Ultron
0: ruined a lot of characters for me. Um, the Winter Soldier ruined a lot of characters for me. Um, basically, I would prefer to think that the MCU ended at the Avengers.
1: Winter Soldier is just a cluster. But,
0: but age that's a good time to talk about next year's challenges um, for rough trade. Of course, you know in November, if you want to participate in our basically our ten-year anniversary finale, we're, we're doing time travel. Um, the minimum word count is twenty-five k. Uh huh. Um, that's just a minimum. Um, you can go over. You do you. Uh, then next year we're going to do April in variations. It's going to be an alternate setting or a fusion. Uh, we've got definitions for all that on the, um, on the uh, forum and July, we're going to go to do deviations, which will be a mutant AU or the Sentinel, um, which is, I guess also kind of a mutant um, or a mutation, an alternate form of human being. And then in November, we're going to do uh, revolutions, which is can divergence or new dimension. So you can do dimensional travel or can divergence. Um, I think either one will be really great. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a sequel to the air, the angels breeze um, for July. So that's your for the mutant challenge. Yeah.
1: yeah. I haven't done any plotting for an year Cause I typically, the funny thing is sometimes I have an idea that just, I read about a challenge. And I go, Oh, I know what I'm going to do for that. Like I, the idea just like hits, just like smacks me in the face. And I'm like, yes. Um, and sometimes I am like, st- I get stuck. And then, weirdly, I have a hard time plotting past the point which I'm stuck. And I was stuck for a long time on November of this year. So I just never pondered um, next year all that much. I mean, I've written a lot of fusions, and I love alternate settings. So I don't predict that to be... I thought I'm not writing a coffee shop AU. I say that, and then watch me write a coffee shop AU.
0: Um, I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious if Will Graham owned a coffee shop, and he was just the rudest asshole possible, but Hannibal kept going in there for coffee? <laughs> And not killing him, he, he can't figure out why he can't kill him.
1: <laughs> he's
0: the rudest bastard he's ever met, and yet he lives. <laughs> and yet he
1: lives. <laughs> um,
0: but no, I mean, like someone asked me, I, I get, I've, I've gotten asked this several times since I um, put the challenges out for next year. Why we changed the format? Um, and that's because, like I said before, earlier in the when the podcast, and I've said. It, other podcasts as well that you might not have been here for since you just sent me a private message, um, is that I think it's important for um, the growth of a challenge for there to be change, and for the challenge to to. I've done it periodically where where we where we've changed the format where we went from you know doing boot camps to um, we did the year of the sentinel. Um, We changed how Nano worked a couple of years ago where we had different word counts for people to be more inclusionary, um, inclusive, to be be more inclusive. Um, And I just think it's important to to grow and change and to adapt to uh, the, the needs of the writers who are participating. And so next year, while it looks structurally different, the word counts that you're used to are still there. Basically, because yeah. the minimum word count is 25K, basically. Um, And so,
1: usually in July, we do a 20 to 25. It's times like two. A... The, times two. This was the, well, we do, we used to do, for a while, we were doing 10K times three. Right. And then we were doing 15K times two. But whatever. It was still, basically, you were putting out 25K in July. So
0: that's still there. And you can do 50 K in November. You can do 30 K in April, like, which is like what we've been doing in the past. Like this is a minimum. Um, It's all still there. It's just structured differently to encourage participation and to encourage to, to be inspiring and to uh, move forward, you know, to, 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 to grow as a challenge, but also to grow as writers. So that's the, that's the point. It's, it's all basically still there. You can work the way you're comfortable.
1: And sometimes it's a, um, try new things and it doesn't work out. Like, you know, we learn, we move on. Like we will never do a single POV challenge again, mostly because of the explaining the single POV. Oh my God. And so many people got it wrong. Yeah. But I can't, I mean, I couldn't bear it. I could not bear it. I mean, I like writing in single POV. Um, Kira doesn't particularly. So, um, but I can do it. I I was a boss. You can't. You can <laughs> absolutely do it. But uh, but the biggest problem with it was the explaining about what a single POV is. I was. don't know
0: why it was so hard for people to get it. It was just torture. We had like five podcasts on it, and people yeah. still didn't get it.
1: Yeah, we went over. I don't it understand. We we had. Facebook. This is when we were still on the Facebook. We had Facebook posts up on it, and we talked about it constantly. There were questions about it, like every day for months. <laughs> just yeah, let's never do another POV challenge because I mean, I it had been like in the back of my mind we could do a first person POV challenge, like in July, like do like a 10k, try to do first person, just as for people who were interested. No, no, I, I. Well, you can do it, but we're not going to instruct you to do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't ever. I don't ever want to explain POV, or just, <laughs> rough trade ever again.
0: It was awful. It was awful. I love you guys, but it was awful.
1: And then Mentor- there a moment when I was like, I, I was like, "Do you guys see this shit? <laughs> like, we didn't spend six months explaining this." <laughs> and then there be there was like there were stories that had like. I mean granted it was one POV at a time, but it's always... <laughs> I like ten different POVs
0: in a single story. I'm like, that is not what I meant.
1: <laughs> but it's always only one but technically you can only ever have one POV at a time because you know, you can't like write in harmony. Um Well you can, but that's called something else. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just yeah, it was rough. It was rough. It was, but yeah, you it was mean, awful. some challenges you think they're gonna be. Wonderful, and uh, you, you get into it and you go, This was this was different. And the funny thing is, like, I be careful how I say this, and we don't want to delve into it too deeply. But we did talk about this a little bit last year, and I think a lot of us had the same issue. Um, and I did figure out a little bit way to get it, took me most of the year to figure out how to get past this. I had been really looking forward to Year of the Sentinel, but because of oh, the oh god, it,
0: I had to, the pandemic ruined it for me,
1: it wasn't just yeah, the pandemic, but it was also the um, yeah, the. Some of the stuff that blew up around law enforcement. And we tend to write, you know, Sentinel fusions very closely connected to law enforcement. And I just didn't want to go there. I just, it it became a hard stop for me. And um, so I struggled with it most of the year. And I came up with an idea I was much happier with by November and i really liked my november pro actually, i actually liked my projects all year but i just wasn't wanting to write the sentinel by the time any by the time april came around i wasn't wanting to write sentinel and it was slated for the whole year so and that had nothing to do with the challenges themselves it's just the the climate and the world changed and it made those challenges difficult for me personally which is
0: why we ended up opening up november to an
1: alternate Right, you could do shifters instead, but then I came up with an idea that I was really jazzed about. And part of it, sometimes when I'm struggling with a theme, um, if I can find a way to get past the struggle without completely abandoning it, so that's why I went with Desiderata, um, sticking with the Sentinel theme, but trying to, you know, get a little bit more into my id and play a little bit. Um, I don't know that I would have done any better with anything else, even if I'd gone with shifters, just because a lot of the issues last year were around... um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you do that though. <laughs> a lot of the issues, a lot of the issues with writing it's last year it, were, were also about the pandemic. So,
0: and yeah, that, and that I mean, made mean, yeah, that it, made
1: things hard. That made things hard for a lot of people, and it's still hard this year. But you know, we're power, we're 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 trying to find our new normal.
0: We're we're powering through. It, I had a lot of change because my husband started working from home. Um, and this man was in my grill like twenty four seven.
1: Right. Well, it's our writing process has changed. We couldn't go the places that we're used to writing. I mean, I mean, when even the freaking parks were closed for a while, it's like I if I I'm tired of looking at these four walls. But these is yeah, I,
0: I I would like to be able to go out to sit in the cafe.
1: Yeah,
0: without and, a mask and, on, and and write, and I can't do that because my cafe is closed. Yeah. It won't ever come back because the pandemic killed it he just retired we all have to find
1: and and last year it was just like felt like one thing after another and this year it's more like well what is this new normal going to look like and how do i do my writing around that and um i i never used to write on my tablet um i'm doing more writing on my tablet now than i ever ever have in my life um and it's because it allows me to be more mobile around the house and just change my setting, go out on the patio, or. Um, but it's just finding things, and I think sometimes just also the challenges evolving, and it, it's all about trying to right now is trying to find what my writing process looks like. Um, and I, you know, it could be that I'm going to think things are work for me. That's one of the things I've been tripping into, is that. I think I know it's going to work for me based upon past experience and find that it doesn't work for me. Um, and that's, that's okay. It's okay to have that experience and to go find that parts of your process don't work anymore or tropes you used to love don't work or that you just can't stomach a fandom anymore because you can't deal with a fandom that's very law enforcement specific or whatever. That's okay. That is okay. And if people give you flack or pressure. Um,
0: tell them to suck my dick.
1: Just delete the comment. Yeah. And tell them to suck Kira's dick.
0: <laughs> you know, I, no, I, Yeah. That's something I want to talk about. Um, moderating your comment section. Um, a lot of people say that. Re- deleting comments is a response. Yes. It absolutely 100% is a response. And that response is. Fuck you. Get out of my space. And you are allowed to moderate and curate your own space that comment section is yours and you can delete anything in it that you want to so that when you go back to it you need a little pick me up you go over to your comment section to read you don't stumble across some trash that you don't deserve to read it, it, just you don't you don't deserve it you don't deserve to be you don't deserve you're not required to keep that fucking abusive shit in your comment section on AO3
1: no you really aren't Or even, I I know the fanfiction.net, I don't think they have any kind of, you know, moderating. You don't have to post on fanfiction.net. Post somewhere else. The comment culture over there is so toxic. I don't know why anybody put themselves through that. Of People who read every chapter of your story just to abuse you. Read 50 chapters just to abuse you on every single chapter. Why would you want to be in that space?
0: Because there is this culture about not deleting comments because it's a response. Um, And you're not not supposed to respond to trolls. Yes, there's, you know, dealing with somebody with a a negative social, what's that word? Potency. Memory just flew out of my brain. Um, Is difficult. And you don't want to respond to them because you're just feeding them and they get off on it. But curating your own space, that's not about them. That's about you and your mental health. So so please keep that in mind. That's one of the reasons why Rough Trade is structured the way it is. Is because I'm not going to let those people have ground in my space. Not on my site, not on Rough Trade, not on the Wild Hair Project. And speaking of the Wild Hair Project, if you're not comfortable riding on Rough Trade and you want to participate in Nano, you are more than welcome to sign up for what the Wild Hair Project and post over there. It's a smaller environment. It has a much lower... um, Readership, mm-hmm. you probably won't get a whole lot of comments, but if you just want to kind of follow along with Rough Trade and not be in the high octane process of Rough Trade and you just want to be casual about it, then you're welcome to post on what um, the Wild Hair Project. Just let me know you want to do it. If you're not already a member, we'll set you up.
1: Um, the other thing about leaving trollish comments is um, this is a weird thing that can be. It's when I let. I, The last time I left a trollish comment, let it go through, and now I don't let any of them go through. Um, There are people who read my comment section, and they came Mm. they came flying to my defense, which I appreciate the sentiment. But I wake up in the morning to a brawl. Yeah, I've had that experience too. And I'm like, I have to, and I get up and delete the whole thing. And I appreciate the sentiment, but no. (laughs) So um, I don't if I let somebody's questionable comment go through, it's not because I need somebody to want or even want somebody to come to my defense about something. If I wanted somebody to come to my comment defense, I would approve the comment after I had told Kira that I was approving a shitty comment and I wanted her to come over and tell somebody to <laughs> suck her dick. <laughs>
0: and I would do it.
1: I would prearrange <laughs> the suck my dick. I wouldn't wait for somebody else, somebody to figure out that I needed that you know, service to perform. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, but I, you know, I just,
0: I just. Oh, speaking of something, my dick. I told my husband I blew my wad on something. He's like, okay, your theoretical dick has gone too far.
1: <laughs> or not far enough. Which is it?
0: I don't know. I'm not trying to actually manifest a dick. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't actually have penis envy. If I want a dick, I'll go out and buy one. I've got one. Um, here's the thing if oh. I woke up with a dick tomorrow, i would jerk off because i wouldn't even be upset really i mean i would just i would jerk off because i want i want to know what that's like
1: <laughs> i was sitting with my <laughs> my very elderly my great grand aunt and my grandmother one day and i don't even know how this subject came up but all of a sudden the discussion was about um would you want to have a penis for a day and the universal consensus was yes and my aunt who she must have been in her late 70s at the time um she's no my grandmother my grandmother says, what would you do first and my aunt she puts her hands in her lap and she goes i think i would just play with it a lot (laughs) she (laughs) she basically mimed jacking off with both hands and i was just like i'm not i'm not old her manifestation is (laughs) huge I'm not She's old got enough. Both to... hands in action. I was I was in my thirties. I'm like, I'm not old enough for this conversation. I mean, you know, my top ten my,
0: my, my top two lists would be jerk off and pee standing up. Right? What?
1: <laughs> but then this is the same And end, then right?
0: honestly, the third one, find someone to fuck because
1: <laughs> Right. I the thing is I said one of the things I my response was well before I make a decision about what I'm gonna do with this penis for a day do i also get a prostate for the day because this is important. this is an important data point
0: (laughs) do i get all the plumbing or just half the plumbing (sighs) and do i have to deal with testicles (laughs) (laughs) you know honestly i don't know how dudes sit i mean they they act like their balls are so sensitive and yet they sit and they get on bicycles and ride horses and really dudes seriously
1: I feel some inconsistency here. Um, I mean,
0: how sensitive can they possibly be if you're on a horse? I'm on a horse.
1: <laughs> it just popped into my brain. <clears throat> if you fucked gender-swapped you from another dimension, is it masturbation? Um, Or is it incest? It's self-cest?
0: <laughs> it, I can't even put you in the corner for that, Arlie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the term for it. I, yeah. I've seen it on Ao3. I don't read it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with just no. <laughs> <laughs> just no. Just no. no. Um, Although I did see a story once on um, Fanfiction.net where Harry Potter used a time terminator to um to um you know I didn't read it, but it was clear what was going to happen in that story. <laughs>
1: Oh, Lord. No. <laughs> no. Just, this is just a whole world of no. No. Um, <laughs> just, it just brings a whole we need to go fuck yourself. <laughs> but this, I have to say, for this aunt, the one who mime, who <clears throat> she would be doing with this penis for a day. This is the same aunt that out of the blue she was talking about one day when they were little, when they were teens and they would play. It took me an absurd amount of time to parse this, because it just, I was like, what? And she said that they would play squat tag in the asparagus patch.
0: What? Uh, I, half the chat room is currently googling asparagus growing on the ground, so they can
1: see what it looks like. I
0: guarantee you.
1: And that's what you need to look at, is how it grows. And then you'll be deeply disturbed.
0: Asparagus grows straight up, sweeties. Straight up. in In bunches. Straight up. I was like <laughs> No I'm just gonna repress this entire
1: fucking podcast before the night's over. <laughs> I was like Auntie, I have no words right now. None. None. None.
0: That's like that's how my best friend from high school um admitted to her mother that she masturbated with a cucumber.
1: Oh, I thought I was just sitting here thinking that's what I was thinking at the time was be a decent person, go get you a cucumber.
0: <laughs> and then she put it back in the fridge? Oh
1: no. <laughs> No.
0: Yes, she did. And I'm like, girl, there is 10,000 things wrong with you. She said, I put a condom on it. I was like, that doesn't, that's a little bit better, but (laughs) it's still not great. You awful person. Uh... (laughs) Anyways, I think I could probably end the podcast, but I'm still kind of chatty if you want to stay. Sure. Okay. I want to thank you guys for hanging out for the podcast, and I hope that um, you join us for Rough Trade either as a writer or a reader for our for the end of our tenth year. And um, I'm just I'm really pleased and happy with the success of the challenge and how everything um, has come together over the years and how we've built this beautiful and amazing and supportive community. And honestly. Um, if I talk too much about it, I'd probably cry. So just, you know, thank you all so much for your support, um, your donations, your readership, your craft as a writer—just all of it. All of it is really amazing, and I'm really just—I'm honored to be a part of it with you guys every single time we go out to play. So um, I hope you have a uh, great week, and um, we shall catch you later. Say good night, Jillie. Good night, everyone.